0: Hey, welcome to Steve Muraz Basecraft. So, um, yeah, thanks a lot to everyone who's ordered merch off me last week. Um, I have two Ts on the website now and um, really appreciate that you're buying them because uh, unlike most YouTubers or people that do podcasts, mine isn't just a picture on a website. And when you, you buy it, it gets printed in some random factory in China. I'm getting them screen printed here in Ireland 50 at a the time. They're coming to my house I don't want them coming up around my ears like for the next twenty years, and to be walking around like Homer Simpson wearing the same clothes. So um, yeah, really appreciate you buying the teas because I think them, I think they're cool, and you've been messaging me. You think they're cool, so we'll keep let's keep releasing them and making them, and it's a bit of crack isn't it? And uh, yeah, thanks for the tips. that People have been putting in my tip jar and just generally messaging me and telling me you're digging the podcast. So um, all the descriptions for that kind of stuff is down below subscribe, like, share, all that crack. So I'm not going to do a long intro this week because um, you probably noticed this is a long episode, nearly two hours, me and Scott Whitley were talking. And um, it kind of had to be a long one because he's had a very interesting bass journey. And um, as well as chatting about his bass journey and music, we also chatted about his recent diagnosis of ADHD. And um, I think... for all the musicians like it's coming up to 12 months now of this covid situation and now we're all kind of getting a bit introspective because we live these nomadic lives of being on tour and moving all the time and when you're moving you're not really thinking about what's going on you're just going to the next thing and you never take stock and we've had 12 months now of taking stock so i think we all have things going on in our lives and we're all thinking about um, what way we want things to be in the future. So um, I hope it really helps us into Scott's story about how his diagnosis has helped him and how he's so, you know, excited about the future. And he's really, he this has been transformative for him, you know, to be able to take this 12 months to think about all these things. And um, yeah, he's even after setting up a Facebook group called Musicians Helping Musicians. And uh, yeah, it is what it is. It's a private group where musicians can just chat to each other and about what's going on, the kind of stuff you wouldn't put in public, but it's cathartic to get out there and talk about. And um, Yeah, I put all these links in the description, and of course, Scott actually has a, an EP coming out, and there's an Indiegogo campaign that's nearly over, so pop over and throw him a few bucks, and um, his new EP will be out soon. I just heard the new single, Sounds Class. Um, he's got a great singing voice, actually, which I didn't know, so fair play scotch you're putting me to shame because i won't be releasing any singing ever um yeah so enjoy the episode guys um two weeks off listen to all the episodes keep messaging me keep buying the merch liking sharing all that crack and uh yeah see you soon so have you got lessons today like or is your schedule fairly open
1: I've got I've got one uh, today at two, but I'm guessing that's like loads of time, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, you've, I
0: got well, I, I think an hour ninety something minutes was the longest one. So no, we won't go over the two hour mark. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's great to have you on. I was um, checking out your YouTube. Well, I've been following you for years, anyway. I just realised I wasn't subscribed though, so I subscribed there. <laughs> but trust me, oh, I, I have you. I have watched your channel for years. I must just <laughs> never have tickled the subscribe button or whatever you say. I can't follow you. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. But um, you're getting back into the double tumming You're you were saying? Did you did you take a step away from it for a while, and now you're kind of getting back into it?
1: Well, let's get, you, like, the double thumb technique yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny you should mention that, because it's, um, it sounds like I'm going off on a, a complete tangent, but, um... The tangents you know, are what we're do, here for. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a professional at that. But, uh, yeah, through teaching, you know, doing a bit more one-to-one, mm. um, recently. Um, like, one of the things that, that came up yesterday was, um... You know, won't go into the specific, specifics of what I was teaching, but the guy I was teaching, he kind of like thought he reached a brick wall, and he was like, "Right, we we can't do any more until I get this nailed, and we move on." And and, and the reason I'm saying this is, I don't know about yourself or other people like that, but I find that um, it's all kind of cyclic. You know, like you do a lot of work on something, and I, I think you just feel like you reach, you do reach that point where you think, "I, I don't really think I can push this anymore at the minute." Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of you know. Uh, and then it kind of just goes into the toolbox, you know. Mm. Um, and then you just either do other things or work on other things. And so it's a bit like that. Yeah, you know, the, the double thumb thing was something that fascinated me when I heard Wooten doing what he does. Yeah. And um, so I spent a lot of time, um, you know, I don't know, what was that, like 20 years ago, something like that, um, you know, trying to get that um, that nailed, that thing. And then, um, and then yeah, just kind of... I thought I kind of reached that point where it was like I don't really, I don't think I can. You know what I mean. No amount of practice seemed to be pushing it any further. So I kind of just just went on to other things, and then yeah, just uh, recently I thought oh, you know, and and the thing is when you come back, I think to those things you've kind of been using them here and there, just you know, and then you, you realise wow, you know, uh, I've I've actually got a lot better at this, and and um, and so the second time round is you know, it's. Uh, I think you can, then you can take it further, you know. Yeah. And did you so, find a yeah.
0: practical use for it? Like we'll call in play, real bass plays, like playing. Like obviously, it's really cool when you're doing solo stuff. And but if you use it in real band situations as well, like maybe maybe if you, if you aren't really good at pick playing, you could emulate a pick playing sound with the double tom technique.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've definitely uh, found it useful. Um, so you know there might be. So I play a lot with like my default thing is playing with fingers. Really funny that you know the the, the last two bands I played in use <laughs> pick almost exclusively, but that's because it's right for, for for the gig. But um, so yeah, you know I don't know um, if I'm playing a tune where it's like constant dum 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 like eights for like you know like six minutes or something, yeah. and the hand starts cramping up or whatever, then you know you, you can without sounding like whooping or something you know without going into that space you can you can totally re- you know start using that dun, 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 and you know it, it'll kind of so so I've used it as that you know like a to get me out of a spot you know um kind of thing uh and then just kind of yeah um I've used it just on on like funk things if you know if I'm playing a funk thing uh, you know I might kind of you know just you, like you say use it in the same way you might a pick kind mm. of dun, you know you yeah. can get a really percussive thing. So yeah, it's definitely it's it's like, you know, you put an awful lot of work into these things and then just use it here and there. <laughs> you get a tiny But it's bit great, great when you can. Use isn't it? It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, <laughs> yeah, I have a load
0: of um kind of strumming and slap techniques in my bag from when I was a teenager in funk metal band yeah. I was in and I've been a blues rock right. band now so about 1% of the time I get to throw in some of those techniques. But they're still in <laughs> yeah. the tool bag, you know, I can still use them.
1: Yeah. But it's re- I think that's really cool, you know, because, um, I've, you know, the, like like I said a minute ago, these techniques, and along with, like, music theory, and, and I think, you know, you, there's so much studying, you know, goes into that stuff to quite often, you know, for most of us anyway, like gigging musicians, just use it for, like, one bar here or one, you know, like these tiny little windows of opportunity, you know. Mm. But having said that, uh, you know, I think... It, funnily enough, it is those tiny things. Like, uh, what was that track? Uh, there was a CeeLo Green thing, like a number of years ago. That it uh, called "Forget You," whatever. You know, you know the one I mean. Like, um, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that was the radio. This, like, the real version was you.
0: <laughs> and they, yeah, that's right, they yeah, changed it uh, exactly. for the radio.
1: <laughs> so funny, I know. But you know, there's that like, is it like, like one bar or something of this quite tasty bass lick. Mm. You know, and the whole world was going, man, my God, have you heard this track? Like, have you heard that? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so so it does make an impact. You know, th- those little, I mean, you wouldn't think it would in, in this sea of, you know, like two-year-old bass players that scroll up past your newsfeed who are better than anything you've ever seen before. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it does, you know, I, yeah. in the, in the, you know, in the world out there kind of thing, in, in like you say, uh, you know, pop, blues, whatever, mm. just those little nuggets, to be able to pull them out of the bag, it really does make an impact, I think. I think so the, song,
0: the song that really was big for that was um, Call Me Al, wasn't it? That was kind of, had the slap bass break in it. And, and then you had to play it in cover bands and it was probably loads of bass players going, I don't do slap bass, <laughs> but you're in a wedding band and they're saying, we want the slap break.
1: <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, you yeah. know, yeah. But it, yeah, so it's, um, it is um, it is those little things that, that that really stand out. And, excuse me, you know... um. The number of times I've heard players, and I guess it's happened to me, you know, where you're just playing something and you just throw a little thing in. And because you've done all that studying, you've got all this stuff mm. to draw and you can do it, you know, people, what, how did you do that? What was yeah. it? You know what I mean? And it does, yeah, it does have an impact, but you've just got to use it um, judiciously, shall we say. Mm. That's, yeah, a good word, I think. You, that is
0: a good word. Is that the right yeah. word? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I'd say so. That sound, It sounds good anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i i find um if you listen back to your like if you record like you're not doing it with a any big purpose if you record a bunch of gigs you do like long gigs and then listen back there's some cool stuff that you'll play that you never would have made up at home because you're kinda, definitely you've separated that practice brain away and you're just doing the gig and when you do, you do some tasty yeah. fills and shapes and you can transcribe yourself which is something my, some people probably don't think of doing. It's a good idea to do
1: that. Do you ever do that kind of thing? Uh, to to a degree. Uh, sorry, excuse me. I could could have guaranteed I set that up to silent, but I did. It turns out my watch doesn't want to be silent. too. <laughs> sorry smart about that. T- the not yeah, so um, smart smart watch. Okay, that's what's happening. i it like. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm. A, I'm a little bit. If I'm honest, I'm. I'm a little bit too. I'll just say lazy, you know, I should... The, that is, there's a lot of value in what you're saying, you know, and I also believe there's a lot of value even in the practice, you know, when you're just newly away mm. to, to record stuff and then listen back. Wow, what was that? Um, but I know I should do it, and it's a great idea, but no. Um, I have I probably could have pro- progressed like that if, if I'd have done that, you know. Um, but it's definitely a great idea, you know, and, and kind of the improvising things... Um, is, is a big part of who I am and what I do. You know, I got into that really early. Mm. Um, I I'm, I'm, probably do, like you say, more, you know, better composition, if you like, on the spot on a gig than, than yeah. maybe sat down, you know, in, in, in a room on my own or whatever. But yeah, I've certainly listened back. I'll tell you what has happened. I don't know if you've had this. Uh, same but different is you can't, because you're kind of constantly evolving. And, and like I say, like that cyclic practice thing, you only know, you work on this and then timing and then tone and then slap whatever um you know i listened to a recording of a gig i did maybe 10 or 15 years ago or if you go back even further um and it's literally like listening to someone else you know mm. you're so disconnected from me you're like i don't think i could do that now was it <laughs> you know what i mean it sounds like and i don't know if you have that at all you know listening to like a really old recording yeah
0: yeah i have you know, like, when i was like getting in when i was big into the slap stuff if i listen back to some of that new and I'd be thinking, no, I'd, I I wouldn't be able to do that, <laughs> and I wouldn't be do- wouldn't put into practice to do it either, like because I'm not really as much into it as I used to be. But that's the teenage brain, isn't it? You you kind of get stuck into one style of music and nothing else gets in. You just have like tunnel vision. I just want to do this one yeah. thing, and I'm you you at that moment with Mark King, I think wasn't it? You you got in, you saw him playing, and it was just like blew your mind seeing what he can yes. do. Yes. Like.
1: Yeah, absolutely, you know. And, uh, yeah, put a, an awful lot of work in, uh, in those early years. Um, and, like, funny, funny enough, that tunnel, that kind of, like, tunnel vision thing, it, oddly enough, it is something that I, st- I still kind of have today. You know, it's it's kind of, it's a blessing and a curse. You know, it's kind of like, on, on the one hand, I'll kind of, you know, really hyper-focus on, on one thing at once, which is great because it means I'm still, like, moving forwards. But at the same time, you know everything else in life's just going piling up around me. Do you know what I mean? I'm the same. But, uh, of you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that um, the the other thing I, I, I was going to say is I think that you're so like when when you're when you're younger and you start playing, you, you're starting from like a blank canvas. There's nothing, you know, and then you put a lot of work in, and then this is like everything you have, and it's new to you as well. You know, you as a player, you know, you're like oh, I can do this now, you know, or whatever it is. And then, like, for me, I mean, I, I like, hit 50 yesterday. Uh, yesterday, last year. God, right. I told you I was tired, didn't I? Hit <laughs> 50. There is a big difference between yesterday and uh, last year. I understand that. And, um, yeah, it's it, what, what I found in me, I don't know if other people can relate to this, is that you, you know, all those things I just talked about that you learned years ago, you, you just kind of take for granted. They're just kind of part of what you do now. And so you're constantly trying to stretch and I find myself looking at what I do and go, wow, you know, it's just like, you know, it's kind of nothing. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) uh, I need to be like this guy and you kind of, you can't see, you can't be objective. And then, again, I mean, I know, I mentioned it before, doing a bit more teaching recently, one-to-one, is that, they're starting from where I was, you know, yeah. all those years ago. And they're like, what I what you mean? What, where, what did you do there? And I'm like, what? You know, it'd be like nothing. It'd be something mm. I don't even realise I did. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. So what I'm saying, yeah. So what I'm saying in short is I, I remember Victor Wooten years ago uh, in an interview. He, he, he said, he was asked, what are you working on at the minute? Mm. And he said, I'm working on trying not to sound like Victor Wooten. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's good. And I thought, yeah, I know what you mean, you know. He, he's brilliant Do you know for what mean? things, like, isn't he? he? He had another absolutely. one he was
0: talking about learning Portrait of Tracy. And he, he his kind of um, thing he said was, he said, it, it's kind of like, you know, when you make orange juice, you know, when you get the cordial and you drop in a you, yeah. a tiny drop and it makes a pint of orange juice and you have the full bottle. Yeah. And he, So he said he learned Portrait of Tracy. But it was like only a a drop of. I don't even know if this is what he said, but this is pretty much the same analogy, but my version. So the drop of Port de Tracy opened the entire world of harmonics to him. It was he just needed that one drop, and then everything opened up. The whole all the harmonics on the whole base was opened up, and that's everything he ever learned about harmonics in that one session. So,
1: yeah, completely relate to that. Completely, yeah. And and, and funnily enough, the same thing happened to me. With him, you know? So, like, I'm completely self-taught. And um, and I would say everything, um, technique-wise anyway, I've, I've ever learned was, was either by ear, you know, just trying to like find, you know, looking, watching videos. I mean, back in, you know, back in the 80s, the old Eater Max and VHS. In fact, that's how I learned to do Mark, <laughs> Mark King's triplets, you know, his, his mega yeah, fast yeah. triplets. I was like, what's he doing? And and I remember literally watching it frame, <laughs> this is really sad, <laughs> frame by frame, going with the bass, like, so he's doing that. And, then, uh, okay, uh, you know, and yeah. it worked it out. I was like, no freaking way, right? You know, and nobody knew how to do it back then, you know, so I, I, it was really cool. But getting back to Wooten, he was the probably the first player where, you know, I saw him doing his thing, you know, um, you know doing the, the sort of fast, sort of, Almost classical sounding stuff in in, in things like uh, classical thump and uh, and that uh, that famous arrangement of uh, Amazing Grace, and I just couldn't, I could not fathom it. I couldn't see it. I, I couldn't even. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was like I can't even see what what is happening. Um, and uh, he's probably the only player where I kind of gave in and bought his transcription book. I don't tend to. So nothing against yeah. transcription books, obviously, but for me personally, I like to work it out myself. So I know you it's get right. that clear.
0: You weren't able to. Get it exactly. It
1: was, it, no, I couldn't. I thought, like, what is going on? You know, I could hear this kind of triplet thing, right? But I'm like, I couldn't see it. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I bought his book, and the same thing, right? Um, There, there, were, there was a bit of uh, the solo in Sinister Minister, a track he does with. Um, oh, I love that.
0: That solo, yeah. It's it like a, a bass so break. Good. So cool, yeah.
1: That, yeah. I mean, that, that solo in itself was like, that's the first thing I ever heard of Wooten, you know, just blew my mind. And uh, so there was that and a bit of classical thump, and it was the same thing. That was enough to, like, I get it. I'm not saying I could do it, but I get it. I I understand. You know, I didn't use any of the the rest of the book, and I wasn't Mm. particularly fussed for, like, playing his pieces. Just knowing what was going on, and, um, you know, for anyone that's, that's, that's looked into that, a lot of it is this kind of, like, open string and then hammering on, like, really high up. You know, I wouldn't have thought to involve... Something down at the nut there, yeah. you know. When I'm playing up above the 12th fret, but that's a lot of what he's how he's getting that stuff. And mm. yeah, like same thing. It was like that tiny little thing, and like right, and then you can just expand on it. And 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 I use it loads now, you know. Yeah.
0: Bitly. And you started on guitar, did you? Back in the day, in or, no, you were in a band, was it? And then they made was it the typical story? They needed a bass player, and they made you play the bass. Was that how it started out? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Completely, yeah, yeah, completely. There was. Uh, I'm still waiting for yeah, the there, guests I was, that
0: didn't start that way. <laughs> I'm Still waiting for the, the guest. that Well, I, I went straight to bass myself, but um, really, I, no one forced me to. It was just, I just kind of. What's was, wrong with you? <laughs> no, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I know. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the guest that wasn't forced to play the bass because all his friends were better on guitar than him or something like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that's totally yeah totally st- no need to expand it's totally that story you know i played a bit of drums as well i was, was kind of like torn between the two you know i was, I was uh, the two coolest instruments i thought at the time and ended up on bass. <laughs> but yeah um and then as you said there was the, the 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 mark king moment you know which mm. i think happened to a lot of people in, in that era you know it was like um i, I remember coming home from school and uh, funnily enough i was into a lot of 60s music and that you know um Uh, you know, Beatles, Who, things like that, kinks. I wasn't listening to a lot of current stuff. I was really into the police. And uh, let me just... uh, There we go. I was really into the police. um, But apart from that, like I say, I was a little bit out of touch. And and I came home from school this one day, and they'd been... Do you remember the... Have you seen the Prince's Trust concerts? It was like... um, There was always this, like, right, in the 80s, this mega... Uh, all-star house band, you know, it'd be like Eric Clapton and, you know, um Phil Collins and things like that. And um so there'd be like bands on and solo artists as well, uh, supported by this house band. And Level 42 had been on one and my dad recorded it. He said, did you see Level 42 last night? Uh, this was like 1985 or 6. Mm. And I'm like, no, who are they? <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> I should have known. I was like, I think it was 15, yeah. 16 at the time. And uh, he said, oh, "You know, I'll put it on for you." And and he put it on. And uh, funnily enough, actually, he'd recorded. Uh, he'd, he played me this section, and it was two bands back to back. And the first band was Big Country. Funnily enough, yeah, who I'm actually playing with now—that's just yeah, a yeah. weird little I- coincidence. <laughs> so, so I watched those two tracks, and then Level Forty Two came on, and I just remember just it was the same as like when I heard that Wooten. I was just like, "What?" You know, mm. like hey. They- Wow, bass! I didn't know bass could be this cool. You know, did, did, did and, you put the uh, tape that, on your thumb, just copy marking, wrap it up. I've, ser- I've certainly tried it a bunch of times. I can't, I can't deny, you know, and then washed it off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sticky mess. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, I was, I was like well, well into it, and um, and I bought most of, of their albums probably on either cassette or you know or vinyl, mm. um, and later CD, and yeah. And then that sort of led me into, uh, I, I don't know how I made the connection, because cause back then, obviously, no internet, no, none of that thing going on. So, the, you know, there were like, if you spoke to other people like in the know, right, um, you know, there were like, I don't know, five or six bass players in the world that kind mm. of were doing this. I mean, obviously, there were more, but that you knew of. Yeah, like, the like these days,
0: the whole internet is full of these people who show this virtuosic bass style. But back then... It was just those handful of names, I'm sure, like.
1: Exactly. You know, there, 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 um, and th- so there was like, there was King, there was uh, Jacko, obviously, uh, Stan Clark, um, and then there were um, uh, Stu Ham, Billy Sheehan, yeah. um, and even guys like kind of, so they, they were the main guys, really, and then you've got like mm. guys like Larry Graham, and, and I mean, not, it sounds terrible, but nobody... Nobody I knew, you know, was really talking about James Jameson and yeah. like I say, even Larry Graham and that, you know, they were oh, they're the old guys. like. You
0: know? yeah. And I'm sure and, Pino um, was
1: big probably because he was on the Paul Young Pino. records at the time. Like, Pino yeah. Massive as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I could have forget that. And so, yeah. And so I learned, you know, like in isolation, really, like every, pretty much everything from this kind of hand, like I had one Jacko album, two Stan Clark albums, three actually, sorry. Um... A couple of recordings of Pino with, because he, he played with uh, Gary Newman, you know, mm. um, early on. I don't know if you've heard any of that stuff. I don't know. I haven't checked that out at all. Some unbelievable bass playing really? on Gary Newman records. Yeah, early Gary New, just amazing. Because I think the other guy was Joe Hubbard that played yeah. with him a lot. You know?
0: Usually, it's your man who invented the Chapman Stick, what Tony Levitt. I, I've only heard him. Yeah. I've heard mainly him playing with Peter Gabriel. His stuff.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. F- fantastic players. You know. So. Yeah, and and you know, um, so that that was it, and, and and I remember, and it sounds like it's. I don't know if it sounds. I don't know what it sounds, Big headed I don't know, but but I genuinely, you know, worked really hard because I only knew of these guys, you know, at playing that kind of stuff, and you know, back then it seemed almost tangible that you know if you worked really really hard, you could be, you know, you could be in that, you know, there's nobody mm. doing it. It's a, it's a niche, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And uh, you know, so it was like it almost seemed like a tangible thing. You know, and and that's really interesting because now, like you say, you you know, you, you, the internet is just just all of that stuff. It's mm. insane. It's kind of really inspiring and kind of depressing at the <laughs> same time. You know, it's it you know it's inspiring, but it is it does put you in a different place. You know, you it's start to go around. It's kind
0: on, of t- tangible though. Like when you consider the population of the world and everyone has access to the internet, if you are that style of bass player, you're you're probably still going to be one of the best in your country. Maybe you can't say you're the best in the world anymore without a shadow of a doubt. Remember when Jack, I don't know if you've read Jacko's biography, he used to love telling people I'm the best base player in the world, but he was—he yeah. actually was—so he could back it up. But, <laughs> yeah, but I'm yeah. sure if you get to that level, you probably will be one of the best base players in your own country. But of course, there'll be someone on the internet better than you, like.
1: Yeah, that's it. And then, and then it, it was probably easier to quantify better. Yeah, or best, and even what does that you know, even mean? Night.
0: What's better? Or who's? It doesn't even make sense when it comes to music. Anyway, you, you can only quantify it when now. it comes to like the sports of who can play faster and things. That you can quantify that, but you can't quantify yeah. music really. Like,
1: no, you can't. And and it, and it's see, this is again, it, this is where it becomes difficult to be objective about yourself. You know, so because you get so used to what you can do. I mean, not you know, one mm. gets so used to what one can do. But, um, you know, you kind of, uh, you can't, I, I think I speak for most people, it becomes difficult to, to almost see what's good about you playing. And so you, you, you think, ah, what it needs to be is like, I need to be faster or I need to mm. be cleaner or I need to be, you know, and you're working at all this stuff. And of course that's a thing uh, if it's, you know, in, in your remit. like. But um, but what I'm finding more and more, I mean, this is so cliche to say it, but it's so right, is, is that you've, First and foremost, you've got to be the best Scott Whitley or Steve or whatever you can mm-hmm. be. You know, you, that's that's where it's at. You know, in other words, you know, somebody throws me, a, you know, uh, a set of changes, you know, in, in G with the funk groove or whatever and said, so play something over that. You know, I'm going to completely play something different to the next guy over here. You know, so you're always going to be unique. That's the first thing. But the other thing is that, um, and this is, you know, for me personally, but it must think it's universal I've lately been messing around with piccolo bass a bit more something I've dabbled with for ages mm. so it's like you know obviously like playing bass in a in a solo if you like register melodic yeah. you know and um and I listen back to what I'm doing and uh and I'm almost like that, that, that sounds really bad viewers you know but, <laughs> but I'm surprising myself going that sounds really beautiful you know like yeah. like it, it, and what I'm saying is the bit that's probably the best about my playing is, is, is nothing to do with all that speed. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the bit the that maybe speaks to people. Mm. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, I hope that makes sense.
0: It does, yeah. Have you checked out your <laughs> man, Xander um, Zahn? He's actually an English guy on YouTube. Yeah. He's, he does a lot of stuff on the Piccolo bass. It's, it, it's almost like... Pff, you start asking what does a bass guitar even mean because his strings are the same gauge as guitar strings and he's using yeah. what you call an ebo and stuff like. But um, it's cool yeah, the direction yeah. you can go with that instrument.
1: Very cool, you know. Yeah, yeah. I've checked his his stuff out and he's got um, I mean, I'm I'm I remember watching him quite early on in his you know his his career kind of thing and and uh, and I remember um. Because I think maybe I just started dabbling with the piccolo thing. I remember the first time I tried it, I just got a short scale bass and um, and I got some guitar strings, the bottom four um, of a set, threw the other two away. And I, I remember tying bits of string on the end to make them long enough to go <laughs> to go around the peg. And, and then I saw that guy and, and, and then I discovered you could buy actual piccolo strings. But I think he plays a long scale because he... Everything sounds really under tension. It's got that beautiful, rich tone about it, you know. Yeah, it, doesn't, um, it sounds
0: otherworldly and not, completely not like yeah. a bass guitar when he plays it or whatever scale length he's in like.
1: Yeah, completely. Um, but the way I've sort of always approached it is a bit more like, um, so, for example, if if, if anyone has, has not heard the album, there's two, there's Hideaway by Stanley Clarke and um what's the other one school time exposure
0: is he is he not playing a piccolo on school days well
1: he, he maybe i mean this is a funny thing right i i the, the two album those two albums time exposure and hideaway were the ones i got first because they were brand new albums when i was getting into this you know so i'm guessing like 85 86 a lot of people a lot of musicians didn't rate the albums that much because there's a lot of um, like drum machine stuff going on there a lot of synth bass you know, um, but but within that, there's this astonishing bass playing going, beautiful playing. And a lot of it, mm. the really high register stuff, is piccolo bass. And, no, I got into School Days. I bought that. You know when I said there was two albums, and then I went, no, yeah. actually I had three. The third was School Days. Mm. I bought School Days. Like, I, I, I approached him in reverse to everybody else. Right? <laughs> I got these two albums that everyone hated, loved them. Then bought School Days <laughs> and went... I'm not keen on this. <laughs> that, that was kind it's of the really pre-internet
0: weird. days, though, wasn't it? Because you would now you'd obviously get the best album. You just Google it, but you often would yeah. get an obscure album from a band, and you'd you'd get into it because you're not you haven't yeah. got the bias of being told that's not the good album. You should listen to this other yeah. one.
1: That's it. But well, the thing is, the funny thing is, having said all that, you know, um, it still uh, it still stands with me is that School Days is cool. You know, and and it it, it like has that kind of pioneering thing going on about it but I still funny enough prefer the the the, 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 the drum machine albums <laughs> mm. it's really weird because I'm, part of that might be it's it's that playing it's that piccolo thing that I'm tuning into and I think some of it's uh, what's it is it tenor bass as well uh, it's just nuts it's just gorgeous mm. I reckon I got like about 80% of, of my playing from those two albums you know mm. seriously <laughs> um, but um what was going to say, but School Days is, I don't know if he, not if he does much of the, uh I don't know, it sounds terrible, I'm going to get shot down for this, but I haven't, I actually didn't listen to it that much, you know, mm. because so, yeah. it just didn't speak to me in the same way that these other things, and the other thing, sorry, just to uh, throw in, uh, again, a bit of a, a, a different, you know, probably a different avenue into music, before I was a player, As well as being into the 60s stuff, the the only other exception was, this is really wacky, this, right? I was into uh, breakdancing and BMX, you know, (laughs) freestyling, right?
0: Any videos knocking around of you (laughs) breakdancing?
1: I wish there were. I'll do one now if you want, hang on. (laughs) Uh, But there was, uh, yeah, so I was into a lot of that electro kind of stuff, you know, that kind of hip hopy kind of stuff. Uh, And so, like, that Stan Clark, I liked a lot of stuff from that era where you got, like, Guys like Herbie Hancock, you know, Rocket and all that yep. vibe, you know, where they were like great players, but doing like really current stuff. I liked it a mm. lot. And uh, it's still kind of with me today that, you know, it's still a big part of the way I kind of hear music and that, you mm. know. T- Tony Williams played
0: with a lot of those hip hop acts back in those in that period. And it was cool, the stuff that was coming out.
1: Real interesting. Yeah. I love that fusion between kind of le- electronic stuff and, and looped stuff and real playing. Some people go, oh, you know, it's all it's all on bucket dirt, you know, as they say in, in Lancashire, wherever. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But I love that fusion of of, of you know sequence stuff and, and real playing. I, I still do. I think it's great. You know.
0: Well, it was probably strange in the eighties; everyone was being pushed into the synthesizers. So then people have went against it in the nineties. Wasn't that kind of what happened? If you were in a band, like even Rush had albums that almost had no bass playing, just all synths and keyboards, like. So people kind of yeah. rallied against it, didn't they? Then after the 80s, they were like, oh, I'm not having a synth. I don't want any of that electronic stuff. It's back to real That's instruments. It.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was a strange time, really, in, in a lot of ways. It was great. I think it needed to happen, you know, the, the whole Britpop thing, for example. You know, and, uh, you know, the, uh, but, but it was kind of weird because, you know, I've been like, we, you were talking earlier about, you know, those early days when I Saw mark king and I, and I practiced like every day for hours and hours and you know I had this head on of like you know maybe you know maybe I can be one of the best up there and you know and that was my goal you've got to, it's important to, to set goals like that and um and then like you say the 90s happened and it was like wait a minute uh yeah I could just, like, grab my postman who's never played bass in his life and say, "We well, you just come in and put a track down for us. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'll show you where yeah. you put your fingers. It's fine, you know. Yeah, that it. sounds really disrespectful. Yeah, it sounds disrespectful to anyone that that likes, you know, I, I like a lot of that music. But um, but it's definitely a thing. It was definitely a kind of a moment of like, right, okay, so what do I do now, you know, do
0: you know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, true. I had a student yeah. yesterday, I was had a bunch of students on a call, and we were all naming bands and we were like, they were naming like modern stuff like Dua Lipa and oh great, loads of bass playing there and Rage and Zeppelin and then one of them says Oasis and I was like, okay, this is a bass course. I was like But I, I will be able to teach you something from Oasis, but when he said Oasis, no bass line jumped to my mind. I was like, I don't know, I, I suppose, but I, I will be able to teach him something using the Oasis still, like, you know, that I think Noel yeah. actually plays bass on a lot of the tracks, so they do follow... The guitar quite close closely but yeah that was a the bass wasn't to the front in that style of music really was it like
1: no it wasn't and like i say it sounds you know it sounds awful saying and and you know it's one of those things that uh because i'm into what i'm into uh you know a, a lot of say people who know me more on like a local level or whatever excuse me um when, If I ever get to, like, a jam night, or an ob- which, well, I mean, back in the day, you know, like, a, a, um, when you could P- do this kind of thing. PC, pre-Covid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. You know, if, if there were, like, a few musical mates down there and stuff, you know, that was always my opportunity to, to try the silly stuff. You know, not, like, if I'm back in a singer who's trying to do a tasteful job of, like, summertime mm. or something. But, you know, if we're, like, doing an instrumental, you know... You, yeah, go for it. It's, that's yeah. your time to to let loose and and you know and have fun. And uh, but of course, a lot of people that n- that would know me for that would be like, you know, don't don't book him on a country gig for God's sake. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but of course, you know, when when that kind of session comes along, I play exactly what's right for the song and enjoy it. So, so all I'm saying is, yeah, you know, there's there's the, the, obviously that was the right kind of approach for that stuff, bass playing wise. It would have been crazy to do anything else, but it's still you know it was just the fact that it was so easy to do that it wasn't really i knew right there and then that it's like well it, there's not i don't know career choices are they are they even there anymore you know Yeah. and uh, you know it did force me into just like up to that point you know it was like that was my career that was it i was going to be a um, a professional bassist you know from being mm. 15 it was like that's what i decided and that was it and then all of a sudden it's like Right. Okay. Well, I'll be. Um, I don't know. A computer salesperson. Then you know. And I did about five years of of that kind of stuff. You really? Know. Yeah, you stepped away uh, from music altogether. Well, n- not altogether. I mean, it was a, yeah a mix of a few things. Mm. I, I mean, I got married, and um, y- you know, and and all that sort you of do domestic photogra- side Photography of as
0: well. Was it for foot- you? Do that kind of professionally as well, pictures and stuff.
1: I would like to. I mean, that's something that came later. Oh, you know, okay. That came like um, I've always been interested in it, but mm. but back then, no, it was kind of um, it was a mix of I couldn't really see how in demand like bass players were, were going to be at that point, you know, and um, and I suppose because the stuff that that was current at that time didn't need a great deal of skill, that would mean there would be like more people able to yeah. do it, so the competitions more and and so that plus. Just getting married. You know what? I'm going to gonna have a go at, um, at doing a, a proper job. Proper job.
0: <laughs> Denying and,
1: uh you. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I tried a bunch of stuff, you know, hired and fired every two minutes. Try my best. Uh, but it just, you know, it wasn't, it just wasn't me. You know, I'd like come yeah. home, I mean, like embarrassed to say, but, you know, in tears and stuff, because it was like really giving me my best shot. Mm. And it just wasn't working. And, you know, and I couldn't relate to anybody because yeah. they weren't musicians and, you know, and, So yeah, but then it was funny enough um, because again, you know, like bearing in mind, no internet, all you'd get, unless you're really in touch, you, you got mates that like go to, you know, record shops and buy imports and stuff, which I didn't really, you know, well actually I had one guy, he was the guy that introduced me to Victor Wooten and I'm guessing that was 86 or 87 or something when he played me that stuff. And I was like, "Wow, this is amazing." When's mm. this from? Like '89, something like that. He said, "No, no, it's brand new." I'm like what? Hang <laughs> on, <laughs> stop the world, what? Yeah, you're saying there's people still making music like this now? And he's like, "Yeah." And I honestly didn't know. I honestly did not know that. You know, I thought like Britpop had come along and that was it. Yeah. You know, but and and that, it was like a light bulb moment, literally life changing. You know, it was like um, you know, hang on a minute, because I realised that the states in the states. Yeah, there's the, 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 the charts and stuff, you know, and, and back then, you know, there were the charts. But outside of that, you know, these huge scenes where people, you know, uh, I mean, I think that's always been the case with metal, hasn't it, I think? There's always been yeah. like a metal scene. Metal has, you know, come- met,
0: I love the metal scene. For me, it inspires me. Um, I am into metal, but also what inspires me is it. Con- there is this really strong scene, but it evolves. Like, if you listen to what's the big metal at the moment or what's popular, it doesn't sound like Black Sabbath but they all still love Black Sabbath, but they're not yeah. clones of Black Sabbath. It's always evolving and moving on. I, I wish more music genres could take that sample, act like that and be like that. But yeah, there's always an underground metal scene. It never kind of falters.
1: No, I, and and that's the thing. You know, it, I, I didn't, I certainly don't, be, I, well, I know, actually, I'm going to put that out there. I know that that wasn't the case for the kind of stuff i was into or the, the direction I was going in you know, in the UK, but it seemed like it was in the states. So, but that was enough just to make me think. I think around this time, yeah, the internet had just started to become a thing. Because I was—I literally wasn't joking when I mentioned computer sales. By the way, 1995, <laughs> uh, I was Some working powerful computers, in a, <laughs> serious <laughs> that's ram <it>. on them. <laughs> that's it. I was, I was working in uh, Burnley Computer Centre as a computer salesperson. And uh, and that was the year, of course, Windows 95 came out. It's the only reason I remember what year it was. And uh, yeah, it it, it was, there was a thing we we sold on on the shelves and I picked it up and it was like CompuServe, this software, CompuServe, what's this? Well, it was an internet provider, you know. So I was like, this is amazing. You know, what what do you mean? Like you can connect to different computers and stuff and, you know. So I was on the internet probably way before I would say the majority of people mm. in in you know in the world. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'd say the two thousands
0: uh, is when I first got on the internet. So you're 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 well ahead of the game there.
1: Yeah, you know it, it was really early. There were like about three retailers on there. There was Dixons and a couple of others. You know, and you're like, oh. And they, they had about three products, not joking, that they'd advertise. you obviously like just trying this thing out, you know, yeah. and you click on it and it'd take like 15 minutes for this picture of a TV yeah, it was, to it, load up. It was going be, like
0: rectangle, <laughs> doom, 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 <laughs> yeah. doom, and eventually it would be loaded. <laughs>
1: that's it. You know, you weren't going to buy your TV that way, that's for sure. But the point being, I think really early on, because even in the eighties, I was into like computing and stuff and, um, and I remember like modems, you know, you could you put a phone into this thing and it would speak to another computer. So I knew it was a – I was always fascinated with that. And now this internet thing, I'm thinking, man, this could be a, This could be the, the the future. This could be something where I could have an outlet. This was all happening around the same time. It was like I'd not long heard about Wooten. i had not long been on the internet. And I thought, this is kind of cool. And, and not long after that, there was a thing called – it still exists, but it's different. It was called mp3.com. Um, and back then it was a site where artists could upload their music and then um, I suppose it may be a little bit like um, Bandcamp is you know Mm. that kind of vibe but really early on so that you uploaded your music and uh, and as the thing got bigger they started to give you like payback for playback you know um, and they would produce CDs for you, so you could upload your stuff. People could buy your CD. They did all the, the thing. They like produce the CD, packaged it, sent it out, that kind of thing, and you split the profit. Uh, but this was really early. I, I, I'm hazarding a guess, at late '90s, something like that. Cool. Um, I never heard.
0: I never heard of this at all. It's this is
1: new yeah, to me. Like MP3 dot com, and I ended up like quite high in the MP3 dot com uh, charts with a few of my like instrumental things and stuff um you know and i'm still in touch with some of those bass players there were like a handful of us it seemed like who were doing the same sort of thing Mm. uh kind of in competition but kind of egging each other on you know and uh yeah and and, you know like i say i'm still in touch with some of those guys today but the whole thing i don't know what happened It, it, it disappeared well it's not it's something else now i don't really know what it is it's uh it's not what it was they, they, they kind of got in touch and said bye <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's over <laughs> the dream is over yeah, yeah, yeah that's it we're not paying you anymore <laughs> bye uh... well, myspace was brilliant as well and then it just
0: died out but a lot of people made connections for life on that website when it was good like we were all yeah uh, that was that was my first experience uploading music and i was in a punk band at that time oral ammunition uh, taken from a class song. right and um yeah we were getting in contact with punk bands all over the world and just i and it was just, it was real organic and natural and it worked really well but then the arse just fell out of it and it was gone overnight yeah. just what happens isn't it
1: it is yeah you know it's 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 interesting it's um you know but but like great to to have got in you know uh, those early stages of this stuff and like you say just that Organic making connections. I mean, that in itself, you know, f- for me was was nuts. It's like, I, you know, just the idea that I'm, like, talking to some, uh, excuse me, some musician in, like, Nashville or something like that, you know, not, we're, we're just, like, friends over... You know, it's like, this is cr- yeah. insane. Of course, people... Uh, well, you say that. I mean, people take it for granted now, but... um, Excuse me. Um, But having said that, maybe I think I take it for granted, but I don't. I mean, it's like yesterday, I was... Um, I was doing Skype lessons. I taught a guy in Cologne, which is five minutes down the road. <laughs> I've been there. And actually. then I taught right. <laughs> and then I taught a guy in Vancouver. After him, you know, and earlier on in the day, I've been uh, Roswell, New Mexico. And it's, <laughs> it just—it still kind of like blows yeah. my mind. You so know, even that, now you know, we're sitting
0: that. here having a conversation. You're in Lancashire. I'm in Tipperary. It's just exactly. Like, it it, it does. You don't get kind of used to it, really, do you? Like it's—it still is amazing or maybe that's just for people amazing. what the, they we're not digital natives so maybe if you are digital natives you aren't amazed by it but we kind of still are i guess
1: yeah and it, i love it you know it's 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 really cool but yeah it it is funny how um how the on, online thing continues to evolve you know um i mean like my youtube channel for example that was it was just an accident really uh not completely. They didn't just fall onto YouTube <laughs> out of nowhere. But yeah. it was it was that I'd been one of the things that I'd done in the past is I taught at college for for a long time, and um, and then it just kind of ran its course. Really, no pun intended. Um, and I, I left. You know, they they changed the way they were doing things. They offered us. They said we're not doing. That's what it was. They said we're not doing instrumental tuition anymore. um, but you you can you you've got the chance of doing class classroom stuff well i'd done some of that i had done music tech taught like classes like twenty thirty uh doing music tech and and things like that, but it wasn 't really where my head was at i didn 't really want to become a classroom teacher. I enjoyed doing the one to one stuff, mm. you know kind of passing on the the information, seeing it blossom you know um but it wasn 't really for me, so I made that jump and then i've just put some videos on YouTube to try and get some students. I thought, what I can do is put a little bit of a web page together. And if I make some videos, like sample lessons, I can put them on there. And then hopefully I'll get some, you know, local one-to-one tuition. And uh, it didn't really work. (laughs) I think I got about two views and and that was it, you know. And, And I just left them there. I think there were about four videos or something like that. And I called them Slap Basics, double S. My God. Anyway, I did. Oh, and, uh, bass players love that kind of stuff. <laughs> literation <laughs> yeah, or... That's it. I don't know. You know, and and I just kind of left them there, and uh and then years later, I can't remember how many years later. You know, my phone started pinging, and um you know, thanks so much for these lessons. I've been trying to get into slap all my life, and this is the only thing that's helped. And I'm like, what? Hang on. You know, and they just it just went mad. You know, they just yeah. kind of like started coming through more and more, and. uh and the, the the obviously it was really flattering but it was also really nice you know to think like no get, you know surely not like this lad from burnley with a, a thick you know lancashire accent or whatever is helping do you know what I mean it was like yeah. i couldn't get me head around it and uh but it seemed genuine so i made more videos you know and um and it just kind of continued to uh to be like that positive response um so yeah it's something that i've kind of you know i've not worked constantly at. I've not had the opportunity to yet really but uh yeah but I've built it up and it's you know I think it's like close to nineteen thousand subscribers which yeah. is not it's not, you know, massive in, in you know compared to the, the some of the, the the YouTubers. But for me personally it's amazing, you know, mm. it's just incredible.
0: Well you have a real strong community which is if you're if you were more of a channel that was kind of how would you say like maybe clickbaity or kinda you just make one off videos that people will watch and forget, but yours is more they want to know you and they want to keep coming back to see how you teach. So it's, you're building a community kind of, which leads into your, you're doing like a Patreon and I didn't even know that this existed till this week, the YouTube right. member thing. Is, I didn't even know about that.
1: Yeah, there's a YouTube members, membership thing. So um, where you can, uh, I think if you channel, because I got in really early with with YouTube and stuff, uh, I ended up getting quite a few, um, what's the word, privileges, if you like, Um, that now you have to have, I don't know, 30,000 subs before you get this privilege and Mm -hmm. that privilege, Um, you know, and and, uh, like monetizing the site and stuff like that. So, yeah, one of the things that I saw was um, you can have channel membership. So, yeah, it's just that thing where, and I've tried to work this way uh, because because of the way I've, I've been a little bit sporadic with my videos and stuff. You know, I've never had the opportunity to be like, right, you know, every week the video goes out and that's it. Um, what what I've always tried to base it on is, look, if you've had a lot of value from what I'm doing, you know, then like, you know, if you want to contribute, then you can do it this way, that kind mm-hmm. of thinking, right? And that's what it is. The channel membership is like if you're kind of coming back to the channel and, you know, and you're getting a lot of value from it, then, you know, you're not paying for anything specific, but you can just like, I think it can be from like a, I think a dollar a month or something yeah. like that. You can just... Basically, just give give me something back. It's very you know, very like Patreon like. kind of.
0: Well, Patreon, you can give stuff back, or just not, They're just saying thanks, I suppose.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it is more on on those lines. It is more like just saying thanks. The Patreon itself, I'm looking to build that as well, uh, and and actually finally, you know, hopefully um, get some content together that um, that I can give back. That's not just public. You know, that's always been difficult with touring and all the rest of it. And mm. then you know, when I come home you know, if I've been away for two weeks, I probably just want to go on a bike ride with my wife rather than... <laughs> right, yeah. so I know I've been away for two weeks, love. I'm going in the studio now to make six months of video. You know, it, do you know what I mean? I've never it's really... It's not practical,
0: really, like, to do that.
1: It's hard. So, yeah. um, and you know, it'd, it'd be wonderful, you know, if, if if I'd have crossed that line and I could, say, make an income from doing what I do here and then not have to tour, but I'm certainly not there. So, mm. but yeah, it, it's it's kind of cool. Um, there, there was a link there. I've forgotten what I was going to say, but... Yeah, uh, I'll tell you what it was. I'll tell you what it was. Um, no, it's gone. It's gone again. I oh, don't worry. Well,
0: we've <laughs> you, you've got More a really <laughs> you've a serious CV here. Like so, we've a lot to cover. So I, I really the want fight, yeah. I, I really want to talk about the Chowny bases and just generally your interest is in kind of quirky bases, which probably led you to the, your signature Chowny base. And also, where can people get it? Because I was kind of looking at it and I was like. I couldn't find a link to buy one. So
1: maybe you could tell us about that. Right. Okay. So, um, so in, in short, that was not meant to be a pun. I can't believe I just did that in short. Uh, Wow. You said uh, you need a coffee, but you obviously don't
0: because you're just firing the puns out. You you, you could be doing, did you ever think of getting a job for
1: the Sunday Mirror or something, doing the puns, you know, the the headlines. Maybe, maybe that's what I should have done. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, it, you know, early on, I don't know, I was like 23 or something, went into fourth size music in Manchester and picked up a Dan Electro Longhorn bass, which are short scale, right? And mm. uh, didn't even plug it in, just played it acoustically. And the thing that hit me was how easy the left hand was, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not like I'm really struggling with a long scale, but it was that you didn't have to move at all. You know, right down at sort of like F sharp, second fret kind of vibe, it was... It was just so accessible and, and fast and, and, and the string spacing was quite small. And I thought, that's really cool. You know, um, I'd love a bass like, you know, with that scale that gives me everything that, say, I've got from, you know, an active jazz or, you know, whatever I was playing at the time. And there wasn't anything, you know, you, you, you sort of looked up short scales and they, and they were all really... Quirky, which I like, um, but they're all very sixty-sounding things, you know, like EBOs mm. and like no top end or a pickup. A lot of short-scale manufacturers put a pickup right next to the um, the, the fingerboard. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's just a kind of like it, might, it should have a sign on saying not for slapping, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I, I only I mainly use my five or short scale because it's one of those ones with the thing right up to the fretboard for that sound. Yeah. So I haven't really gone down the sound you get with yours, which is a different, a new kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So I think that's the thing. Anyway, in short, I think I think people historically associate short scale mostly with a kind of tubby, deep, you know, 60s, kind of yeah. exactly. That's like, like, yeah, like the violin bass and stuff. Um, and me being me, I always kind of think things out my own way. and And, and what I think really was happening was that, Th- those were the only short scale available at the time, and that's what they sounded like. And then Fender, you know, the P bass, thirty-four inch scale. I mean, you can get like a vintage P bass and sound bang up to modern doing slap stuff, can't you? You know what I mean? It Can sound yeah. crystal clear, right? You know. So they suddenly introduced this thing that probably just like was like, my god, like listen to that, you know. And I think what happened is that people just went, well, that's it, thirty-four inch, yeah, you know, and that was it. Done deal, you know, yeah. <laughs> we we shall explore, explore short scale no more, you know. Uh, and I think, I really honestly think that's what happened, when in truth, if someone had gone, well, oh, wait a minute, let's put that pickup in that place on a short scale version of it, you know, it mm. probably would have sounded almost the same. Yeah, you know, have you looked into uh, the, the science it of it
0: much? Some people were saying about the frequencies and the fundamentals on a short scale, there's more bass and there's less of the other frequencies so in some ways, it actually gives more bass than than what we call a normal scale length bass. I don't know if you if you've explored that much.
1: So, I, yes and no. You know, I never explore things generally. In you know, I never get scopes out and graphs and generally anyway. You know, it, it's more of a use your gut, use your ears thing. Mm. <clears throat> but yeah, um, for me, it feels like yeah, it's it's more of a a nice, pokey kind of fundamental note that you get from a short scale. You know, it's very there it is, you know, uh, and you, you can get all that other harmonic stuff. It's just, it, it's just a little bit, I wouldn't say harder, but you've to, it's the strings really. You've, you've got a the strings makes a much bigger difference on a short scale. Sounds mm-hmm. crazy, but it's true to a long scale. You know, you could put, um, I don't know, you could, you could put any set of round ones on a long scale, get some cheap ones off Amazon, you know, whatever. And on day one, they're all going to sound pretty much. Yeah. The same, you know. Yeah, yeah. You'll hear slight differences, but on a short scale, um, th- there are only like a handful of manufacturers that make strings that sound good on a short scale. It's really weird. They all change. It's I don't know. Again, talking into the science, it's all to do with the thickness of the core and all that. But anyway, that's where the difference is at. So much so that if you, if anyone's watching this and or listening and they want to get into short scale. Um, you know uh, I don't know if, is it okay to like recommend a couple of oh, brands yeah, you know work away if
0: they want to send me some free stuff I'll take it as well <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah GHS are fantastic you know and I've actually got um, a, a deal with those guys I don't get them free but the, you know like, not I'm a brand honest, that I good.
0: ever use really or that come up much so that's a good one to hear like usually people recommend uh, what was it the Dario and for flat ones they always say Tomastic so I'm interested to hear what you think are the ones to try out like
1: yeah yeah well D- D- GHS are great you know um absolutely great and and a great company as well if you are an artist and 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 you you get in touch with them they will they'll write back and and you know they'll answer your questions and uh fantastic uh so i use their uh what are they call now um i've got the bright steels i think they're called I've, I've i'll get a packet in a minute anyway so they use their steel round wounds the flats are great as well you know so they're fab the Dario. Just insane. I mean, I've just, they're just mentally good, you know? Mm. I mean, so they're, they're another one. Um, they just sound so pure, so clear. They last a long time. So, um, and they're in, get the, for my money anyway, get the lightest set you can that they do in short scale and uh, they sound amazing. Mm. Um, and of course, like Tomastic's. Yeah, are, are I actually have a well, set but, here ready to go on my, <laughs> just my Tomastic short ah, scale. There we go, yeah. That's that's actually at the minute so, uh, what I've got on there. Uh, I've got a a, a P bass over there which has got those on. And uh, but yeah, uh, and like like so other manufacturers uh, like Rotor Sound they make. I mean, they, they sound like rotor Sounds. They're great. And on long scale, you know, if I if I can change them every day, I like them. <laughs> mm, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, but when you know, but for some reason the shorter scale. It's something I need to speak. They've actually written to me about this. They saw an article I wrote about strings, and for some reason, their long scale strings sound great. The short scale strings, to me, do not sound great. They've got a lot of yeah. overtones. Uh, they don't sound very clear, and it is definitely down to the the, the way that the um, they produce them. Apparently, uh, back in the '60s, John Entwistle obviously had a big input in, in you know the design. And he did in the short scale strings as well, and they've been made the same way ever since. And uh, in short, if you're going to use rotosound, get long scale and put them on your short scale, and okay. just have to deal with just wrapping a bit of the fat bit around the the, the peg, mm. you know, and they'll sound great. Cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I use rotosound for rock
0: bass. I love. I have a, a one hundred and ten gauge on my low E, it's like really right. heavy, and that's good for rock playing. But yeah, I haven't played their short scale at all. Like,
1: yeah, the long scale are great, and and they, and even the long scale have. That's what makes, them. they got this kind of overtony richness to them, you know, mm. and uh, and that's what makes them really bite, I think, and and you know, they're great.
0: And how did the Chowney base come about Then they're an English company. Uh, I'm not sure where in England they're based, but that's probably where the connection was. Was that they were they approached you? Did they for like to make the the signature S-
1: sli- slightly different? <clears throat> excuse me. Um, they uh, excuse me. <clears throat> they um, right so. So really, really, try and pop this as quick as I can. Right, um, it's grand. Seriously, <laughs> they're used to these. They,
0: sometimes we're short, sometimes we're long. But everyone listening, right, I've, yeah. I've never, ha- I've yet to have a complaint about a podcast being too long or meandering. So it's probably oh, like do. just my listeners. They don't. We don't
1: care. <laughs> it's grand. Good, good, good. <laughs> I'll, I'll just go and make another coffee. Normally. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you remember I said about the 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 Dan Electron? Yet yeah, there was nothing that sounded the way I wanted it to and mm. had the features, you know. Um, you know, being really nerdy, if I'm honest, made a feature list, 24 frets, active, um, you know, good bridge on it and whatever. So, uh, years. the only one that did exist, it, it, my dream base completely existed, by the way, at this point. It was just that a starting price of like $17,500 was kind of out of my range. And that's like the Stan Clark, yeah. you know, the Stanley Clark Alembic, right? Beautiful bass. Oh, yeah, lovely. Yeah, just, just completely out of my price range. And if, even if I was to have one today, you can guarantee at some point it would get sold to buy a sports car or something, you know. So, <laughs> so I can't hang on to that stuff. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, uh, just a chance thing. I was, like, trolling eBay, and then uh, and saw this short-scale, basically like a little jazz. It looked like a short-scale jazz with a, sh- a slightly different shaped body. And I thought, no way, that could be it. That could be what I've been looking for. So I ordered it. It was made by Richwood, which was just like sort of a brand name slapped on some Chinese-made bases. you know. Um, there may be like other brand names of this base out there. It came. I put some DiMarzios on it, uh, an EMG preamp, and really funny, a Badass 2 Bridge. Which cost more than the bass. And it probably was absolutely <laughs> you
0: know, the, huge on the body is
1: well. <laughs> If it was hanging off the edge, actually, it literally <laughs> was. Uh but that bass blew my mind. It was insane. It was like this is the this is it, you know, pretty much. It just sounded fantastic. Um, you know, I did a I remember doing a blindfold test on like basschat.co.uk, dot co UK, something like that, one of the forums, and said, um, you know, like i can 't choose between which I like of these two bases the most i 'll call one base one and one base two base one was the this you know hundred pound chinese built short scale mm. and base two was an alembic um uh, it wasn 't a stand clock it was just it was one of the uh, the cheaper ones but it was an alembic you know it was like yeah. certainly two or three grams worth of base and um you know and and i wouldn 't say one one as such, but I think overall I think the the one that got the most votes probably was the um, the, the the cheap one, mm. you know. Um, and I was because I needed that clarity, I needed that confirmation because I'm like, right, this this sounds better to me. This sounds like what I want to be using. Yeah. Right. But if I put those, if I put pictures of those two, say, which should I use? Yeah. What are people going to say? Right. right.
0: There could have been confirmation bias. You were like, I want this to be better, so it is better. So you needed to ask some people what they thought.
1: Yeah. I actually thought I must be going crazy, you know. I I thought it can't be, right? But I really... I was like, I believe in it, but it it can't be, you know. I need that confidence to to, to know it's not just my ears, right? Mm. And then when I did the blindfold thing, that was a complete life-changing moment. It was like, right, I don't care anymore what it says on the headstock. I don't care where it's made, apart from ethics. But you know what I mean? I don't care um, (laughs) what it looks like if it sounds... You know, I, I, it was just that kind of like, you know, affirmation that like, no, you're not going mad. Your ears are working. Mm. It does sound great, you know. Um, and then I've just always just gone with my gut from from there on in. But the only thing is that bass was in was ninety percent my dream bass. Uh, the main thing that, that that bugged me about it was it looked like a kid's bass, right? It was very small. You know, the body was like this tiny little thing, and uh, it probably was built really for kids. And um, which I kind of enjoy for a bit, but then you start, you know, it starts bugging you like are people like, why is he bringing that kid's bass again? <laughs> you know? And uh, you know, especially doing like higher profile gigs. And they probably would and think so, it sounds crap. They're like, oh, it looks crap, so
0: it sounds crap. They're they're, they're hearing totally. with their eyes, kind of you know.
1: It's it's a thing totally. Yeah, you're right. So um, anyway, I, I got in touch with the the company Richwood. I kind of got like a, a sort of endorsement thing really with them, which wasn't really what I wanted. Um, what I wanted was them to kind of take these ideas I had, you know, So sort I of said, look, nobody's doing this. Nobody's making a short scale that fits this niche, right? If you do this and this, like make one with a 24 fret board, slightly bigger body, better bridge, active electronics. I said, you will clean up, you know, it, it, it's, I knew it, right? And, um, you know, got nowhere with that. So I kind of put the idea out to different uh, manufacturers, you know, other manufacturers, nobody was interested. No, it's too much of a niche Short scale thing, so I gave up. But by this point, I'd actually designed the thing. I mean, literally mm-hmm. drawn it. You know, like the angle pickups thing, the shape of the headstock, everything. The the width of the nut. The whole thing was completely designed. I'd, I'd got a full design together by this point. So I thought, well, uh, I've got to have it built at least, yeah. right? So, so I got in touch with a, a friend called Brian Eastwood, who's a local guitar builder. Quite legendary guy actually
0: uh i've heard him he's it wasn't his studio that scott's divine went to study in, was it Lutary. No,
1: no no it's not brian, brian heard the name is, though he's, heard a, the name yeah he's he's a very i don't think he'd be offended if i said this he's a very quirky eccentric uh kind of dude you know and that's what we love about him and um a lot of what he makes is, is you know he makes really mad stuff you know like mm. um there's the Blue Moon guitar, that uh, was it Shwardy, what, what he used? Something like that, you know, and these really odd looking guitars and stuff, you know, and that's all his work. But yeah, um, you know, I went to him, I had the the plans and, um, you know, and, and, and he built the first one, um, hand built it and uh, it, a very alembic in its finish and stuff, fancy tone mm. woods and stuff and, and things like that. I had a trem on that one as well. That was another thing well, I always wanted. <laughs> Um, and, uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's an absolutely wonderful thing. And that's the first ever SWV one. Right. And, and like I say, I'd given up on anyone taking it on as a project, you know, I mean now I could probably do like a crowdfunding thing, but yeah, you know, yeah, actually was, that
0: would have been way forward, but back then it, that wasn't popular really. Was it like,
1: no, uh, you know, people have changed the way that they think about that. So anyway, I just started using it on my channel. Which I felt bad about, because up to that point, I'd always use, like, uh, going back to your question about quirky bases. I've always liked the idea, especially after that moment, by the way, when I kind of, mm. you know, affirmed that, like, no, I'm, you know, I was using all kinds of stuff. Like, and you, it would usually be, like, cheaper stuff, like, um, you know, Farida things, and um, I always liked to go for things that weren't, I've never been into, like, square and, and uh, Epiphone, you know, things that actually are, a cheaper version of the yeah. real thing kind of thing. People see them that way. You know, I've always liked these other names that just aren't anything else, mm. you know. It's like Richwood. There isn't, like, a more expensive yeah. version. It just is it. Yeah, there's yeah. a
0: lot of Japanese... K, is that the name? There's a, there's a... From the 80s and 90s, there was a lot of Japanese random brands like uh, Gaiatone and K, and they were bringing out these instruments that were just their own things that someone in the factory came up with, and that was really cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know... um. So like yeah, and I'd always kind of championed these things because I always liked the idea um, that that people could, if say they like what I was doing and they like the tone I was getting in my videos and stuff, so you know that it was tangible that they could go and buy that thing, you know, like mm. well how much are they? Well, like hundred and fifty quid, really, you know, and they they could go and get one, and uh, you know it wasn't like oh I can't wait till I can afford that two thousand pound thing you're playing there, you know, um, so. So I felt a bit rotten, really, because then I'm all of a sudden using <laughs> this handmade boutique Wood, beautiful, mm. you know, thing that I've designed, uh, you know, and I thought they're going to hate me, you know. But um, but in reality, people really, really love the base. You know, they were like, well, what is, you know, what what is that? I said, well, it's the thing I've, I've designed and uh, where can I get one? And I'm like, ah, you can't. Um, there aren't any, you know, you, you can get Brian to build one for you. Um, you know, and Brian had said, you know, if, if anyone wants one making, I'll, I'll make another. And he probably said, I'll give you a little bit of a, you know, uh, licensing commission or something. Mm. Um, but you know, two, two and a half grand, that's a lot of money for people to, to spend. And, um, so we didn't really, that never, never really took off. There had been some made in the end. Uh, I don't know wh- when this came, but there were, there were that many emails I got that much interest in the base. That I actually felt like almost like a duty, you know, to try and have it made, to try and make it happen. Mm-hmm. I thought if I can do it some way. And this is where Chowney came in. Um I had seen Chowney when he first uh was developing his CHB one, which is his like semi acoustic thing, right at the beginning of Chowney. He's the based in Bristol. Um so not gonna lie, my first connection with him was like Hi, I'm Scott Whitley. I play with the animals. You know, give me a free bass. No, I didn't <laughs> say that, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You know that, that we'll we'll do it those kind of like uh, you know sort of touting around. And uh, anyway, I ended up like he did. Me, he actually did me a great artist deal, and uh, and I ordered one, one of the first batch of twelve mm. of his of his bases, which was a short scale. And it would have been. It was perfect for the animals. That's you know because yeah. that's that that sixty kind scanner of sound, and. Uh, and that was that. And then we had a few emails and, and things like that. We became quite friendly and stuff. And I just thought, I remember I was sat in the studio, actually. I was doing a bit of engineering um, on this day where I decided to give it a go. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to call up Stephen Chan or email him and say, um, you know, look, I'm thinking about doing this. You've done it already. You know, like, talent to get stuff. But, it, you know, where where do I start? Would you be up for helping chair? your, you know your experience so far and it turns out he, I, what a lovely guy you know because what what he did he said let me, let me give you a call what's your number and he called me up and he just basically shortcut me right to the factory that he was using right cool. you know he just said yeah. like use these guys i've tried these i've had about 11 made mm. some of them were great some of them were like firewood you know um, yeah. but he said i'm really happy they'll do like small runs you know you don't need to like order a 100 and stuff uh, you know, the pricing is this and that and, and all the rest of it. Um, and so I'd, over the period of a year, um, we toed and froed, me and the factory, you know, I sent them my plans and uh, then they'd ask loads of questions and then they'd sent. finally we get a prototype sent over and it, then I'd kind of make revisions, right, you need to do this. Mm. Really hard, by the way, with the, the language barrier. Yeah. It's really hard. Is this in, in Indonesia, know, to, yeah,
0: this factory, is it? This was
1: China. China. This was China. Okay. Um, because great instruments were coming out of China and still are, you know. Um, you know, like those Chinese fenders, phenomenal instruments, mm. like, you know. Um, so anyway, uh, it took about a year to get it right, um, or where I was, like, completely happy with it. Those first, there were four prototypes made, actually, and there's still great basses. People have got them out there who are know, actually. Um, but yeah, finally got it where I was like, that's it, let's go. Um, a friend of mine helped me put a bit of an ad together and uh, and I put them up for pre-order and I thought, you know, maybe seven or eight might go, something like that. Mm. But uh, in the first month, 42, I think. Class. Went, right. For, yeah, I was <laughs> like, what?
0: No, no pressure um, packing them up for being sent out to people. Like, put them in well, a good pack, it, bit of
1: cardboard and a few bit of bubble wrap. <laughs> <laughs> it was really scary. I mean, I ended up with like, you know, I've, I've always been, like, a struggling musician. And, like, mm. my account had, like, oh, I don't yeah. know, 50 grand in it or something. I'm like, <laughs> what the dickens is going on here, you know? <laughs> the bank's and, ringing uh, you. What's going on? Did you have <laughs> to steal <yeah>. someone? Robbing <laughs> a bank or something? <laughs> that's really weird. But it turns out, I mean, like, another another story. I mean, uh, you know, like, I, I think I so- spoke to you about, like, I recently got um, diagnosed with ADHD. But the only reason mm. I mention that is because... You know, there I was, I just going for it, you know, just like plunging in there. Uh, And then, you know, there was that moment of like, wait a minute, you know, like, I've got all this money of these, and then I've got to pay it to the factory. Yeah. And then, I don't know, what happens if they all sink or something in uh, in the ocean on the way... Do you you know what I mean? Yeah. This stuff just wasn't coming into...
0: Or if they're all faulty, and then you have 50 bases that are crap,
1: (laughs) and 50 grand you owe people. (laughs) Yeah. It was, you know... But that's the thing. I just kind of went for it and I believed in it. And, uh, you know, and it was bloody scary. It was, I'm not going to deny. And um, I had no capital. It was all done on pre-order. But uh, it went really well. And then things arrived. um, You know, and there were like issues, like there was intonation issues, for example, like some of the the, the bolts on the the bridges were too short. So I had to like buy in some bolts, just Mm. little things I had to do. But it adds up, you know, it was a lot of work all the people that ordered active ones, uh, I'd made them, I fitted the preamp in-house. Okay. I thought it was easier if i just ordered them all passive and stuff. So there was a lot of work involved. You know, I did all the setups, like filing mm. the, the nuts down, getting the truss rods right. A few of them, I wasn't happy with the fret work, so I had Brian, you know, uh, it, shoot the, the frets, fret, you know. Yeah. Exactly, you know. So that, so I wanted these things to go out so that people picked them up. Because I've always been a believer, you know, in, in like setup. He's like 90% of what makes an instrument great same. you know i was just um,
0: setting up i had 15 bases for this course i'm doing and i I'd unbox them all and set them up and they were good to go but i think these days out of the factory they're pretty well set up but when you order them maybe the ones coming out of china weren't set up to play out of the box
1: as much as they are at the moment like exactly and that's the thing i think that again you know like price scale you know when you're paying you know like for example warwick a, a, Genu- generally, quite expensive bases. And I've had a bunch of Warwicks. And apart from, they've all, they all have the same thing, by the way. They all need, <laughs> they've all had the truss rod slightly bored, which I'm just mm-hmm. assuming is from manufacturer to reaching the customer. You know, they've kind yeah. of settled down. And after that, sh- I've never had a bad fret on a Warwick or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, they, you know, whereas. When you're paying for the cheapest stuff, and that's the bit that's missing. It's that that kind of QC, that kind of fine detail. So that's the bit I put in myself. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just wanted people to kind of get these things out of the box and go, "My God, this is the best thing I've ever played." You know. Yeah. I genuinely Brilliant. want wanted people to get that experience, and uh, you know, and and that was a, the lovely thing. They started going out to the customers, and it was just a mad thing where they they were saying this. They were like, "This is the best thing I've ever played." A lot of them. Uh, they were saying, thanks so much. The, mm. You know, this is what I've been looking for all these years, you know, and, and I just couldn't find it. And then you've made it happen. And it was like really lovely. Do you know what I mean? A lovely yeah. experience to, to have, you know, to to have made that happen. The first batch I didn't make a penny on, by the way. Really? <laughs> there was yeah, no markup? You didn't have a markup? Well, I thought I did, you know. I thought I did. But that's then mad. I think I ended up, yeah, I think I ended up like getting them shipped by air to make it a bit quicker, mm. and because techs forever, and and they'd yeah. already been waiting a long time—two months at least, and like
0: the, with Ali Direct and those things, like.
1: Yeah, and then when they arrived, there's like obviously there's, there's VAT on 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 the on the goods, but there's also VAT on the shipping. I think there's VAT on the insurance for the shipping. Oh it's just God. mad. There, there was yeah, so everything went. And I was like, oh. Okay.
0: <laughs> you got a bit of a shock um, so, when you saw that. It's that. You were like, oh, there's a nice little profit margin there,
1: saying to the wife, you know what, we might go on a sun holiday with this with this profit from the basis <laughs> Yeah, but but not to be. But I, I did just about break even. I mean, because I, I think I spend a lot on advertising as well at one point, um, you know, with like Google AdWords, you know, probably a grand or something, whatever. And, and so, but it, it, like I say, I, I certainly broke even, you know, and I made the base out there you know i kind of made people aware of it and and so so you could say it was just a big advertising campaign i yeah. guess you know it, what i'm saying is seeing an, uh, a positive and um and then i carried on doing it for about 12 months and uh i think i sold something in the, the region of 150 to 100 that being even 170 bases over that's over a of like it was a lot of work between
0: between getting them to you setting them up like that's probably was a crazy amount of work like and posting them out talking to the people when it comes when there's that many people involved like
1: yeah yeah it, it was it was nuts uh you know and and like i had a, a unit that I used for teaching and stuff a little um you know like little space i rented and uh i was like almost living there there was a, a settee in the couch and uh sorry i don't know why i had to explain what a settee was <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and i'd like sometimes i'd be be there till like one in the morning I can't do anymore, and and I just crash on on this couch, oh God. and then get up and carry on. You know, I didn't see my wife; she was working full time. You know, and uh, it, it it was just insane. And I was touring at this time with big country as well. Mm. Um, you know, and and trying to do a bit with my YouTube channel and stuff. And and it was like I, I, this, yeah. It's not sustainable. This you're burning at um, both
0: ends, like you. And you were going to. It was going to just go too far, really. Like,
1: yeah. You know, and then the other thing that that people don't see when you do things like that, like, I really, really admire anyone that that takes on a project like that because um, the problems, you know, the constant, constant issues that you hit, you know, whether it's shipping or supplies or, you know, like, I I don't know, I I got a one batch of bases come through and I think like nearly half of them, that's right, there was some cock up with the order, where they sent a bunch of fretless ones, fretless bases, and I only ordered, like, two. but They thought it was 20 or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. oh God. You know, so, yeah, so I had to have each one of those fretless necks, you know, Fresh. fretted, oh, uh, which took all the profit margin out of it. And, you know, it's just just mad things. You know, one turned at one time, and it was just, like, you know, the wrong shape. You know, it's like, what? what's that? <laughs> like, it shifted when it was in yeah. the CNC machine or something, you know. So it was. It was very hard, and I, I really, really would not send anything out substandard. You know, it had mm-hmm. to be like you know absolutely bang on. So, so a lot of the times, I'd just kind of be really honest and, and put them up as you know, like almost like B stock. You know, this one's slightly the wrong shape, yeah. or it's that you know. So yeah. So at the end of all that, I, I thought, well, it, it seems a shame to just just kill it off. There's definitely a, a, an interest in this thing, um, but I can't keep doing this. So my two options really were to train somebody up to set them up and things, you know, and pay them a little bit um, of, of a wage or, like, a piece, you know, per item thing. Um, and, all. like, my wife was was okay to get involved with some of the admin stuff. So it was either kind of do that or now see if somebody will take it on and then maybe, like, pay me, like, a licensing fee or something, you know, because I, I really had a yeah. thing now. It was actually happening. It was, you know. Uh, so the most obvious guy to get in touch with was Stephen Charon because he – kindly put me in touch with you know the factory around this time coincidentally um, a, a factory in india had got in touch with me a manufacturer uh, to say we'd love to build your base right you know mm-hmm. um so i was like well that's interesting and it was one of those things the stars kind of aligned kind of thing and i got in touch with Stephen. would you be interested in taking on the swb one under the charity brand and he was like absolutely you know it's it's like it's, it's you know we've proved it's uh, or you've proved there's, there's a market for it and stuff and you've got a following so so we came to an arrangement we we're really happy with but it all hinged on uh, getting the, the the cost price right because there yeah. wasn't any margin. you know I told you there was hardly any margin in it uh, and then you know without going into obviously too much detail but the 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 factory in india we'd seen some of their work and it looked really really good right mm. so i was able to return the favor i said look funny enough there's this factory in india they've been in touch with me you know let me put you in touch with them and you know and and we had uh, he had a couple of samples made and really the quality was was insane you know it's so good um and you know and and the deal that he got because he was like having all these bases made there yeah. made to be enough so that he could pay me a little licensing fee and uh and that's it. And that's what's happening now. So they're now made in India. They're, you can order them from uh, the the the. You know, if you just ch- type in Chinese base. Mm. Uh, there is a supply issue at the minute, so that might be why you can't find them. Mm. Uh, it's because of COVID, but it's happening. Yeah. The, the, the they're going they're coming back. You know, um, my advice would be to write to jump on the Chinese website and, and and write a message if, some, if someone's interested in them, and just say like, what where's the best place to go and when when are they mm. going to be next available.
0: And, and how uh, much really, did the re- yeah. retail about in, in the end? what did what well, roughly what was the retail price
1: i think they they ended up about uh i think when I was doing they were like three three nine nine for a passive and like four nine because that's the other thing bearing in mind my thing with like people being able to afford them I wanted them to be affordable I wanted it to be one that was like two hundred quid, but it just wasn't in mm-hmm. the cards you know um you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm good, I'm nice, but I can't <laughs> afford going. to give... There's a base and there's 200 quid, do you know yeah, what I mean? No. <laughs> if you win the last so, you uh, could do that, like... Yeah, I will do. But anyway, uh, yeah, and and they're not that much more than that now. It, it, the, the two, the, the, the active and the passive have, like, homogenised into one thing now. So it's, um or morphed into what? So it's, uh, it's like a, it's a, everyone you buy now is an active with a passive pull you know, mm. um, and it, that gives you, it literally gives you the best of both because when you pull the tone control, that engages the tone control in passive mode. Oh, and you cool. pop it back in, it's it's fully active. So, and I think they're maybe just over 500 now, I, I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I don't get involved in that side of it. But mm. yeah, they've not really gone up that much, you know, mm. um, throughout all this, but um, they may have to, I don't know, I don't know if Stephen will see this or hear it, but yeah, I don't know. The short scale market has become
0: more competitive, though, in the last year. Like, I remember I was, when I bought my, I bought a Rumble Cat. you ever see the Epiphone Rumble Cat? It's Alan Woody's signature. Love it. But when I went to buy, when I was buying that, there wasn't a lot of short scales out there. But Sire just brought out a short scale. Uh, Music Man just brought out a short scale. Like, everyone is doing it now. Like, so it's more competitive, definitely, at the moment.
1: It is, you know, and, um, I don't know. People have said this to me. I don't know if, <laughs> if it's the thing they said. It's your fault, you know me. And I'm like, you know, it could be because you couldn't get, you couldn't sell them. You could. What I mean is, you approached manufacturers back then, and you couldn't, you couldn't give the idea away. And yet everybody's like in on the act now. And it's fair to say that that until you know, until we started doing this SWB one, that there wasn't anything filling that that niche. And now it's gone nuts. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe Chowney and I raised a little bit of awareness about mm. the short scale thing being more viable, if you like. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely gone. It's definitely a thing now. It's a growing thing. The secret's out. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: No, definitely. Yeah. You know. Hopefully, the yeah, interest
1: yeah. in them will uh, translate into more sales
0: of the, the your base. Because like, it still is different to the other ones. The, the, the bigger brands are kind of just bringing out. Uh, not like an, a new design, it's just a short scale version of their Stingray or their whatever. Yeah, so your one still does stand out as
1: kind of unique. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, fingers crossed. You know, um, it's just been a weird time overall. Nobody knows how it's going to go now, but uh, no. yeah, I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure the future is going to be bright. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, definitely. We have to stay positive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> You touched briefly
0: on, you were saying, because I remember you put up a video, I think it was about two months ago, you were looking for new students, but you briefly touched on your diagnosis of ADHD, and so yeah. did that happen during this quarantine, lockdown period, and how is how is that affecting like your future plans? You said you find yourself more focused, and you're able to say, I want to do this for the next nine months, and you're actually following through instead of... Being, you know, like a rabbit, or get you get confused, like a magpie. Oh, there's something shiny. I'm going yeah. doing that. We, all, I think, a lot of yeah. people can relate to that who mightn't even yeah. have a diagnosis of ADHD. Like,
1: yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, life changing is is you know uh, a, a word yeah, I've, I've used it a few times, but and but I use it genuinely. And this this was one of the, you know, this was a life changing thing in in that. Uh, I think a lot of people, creative people, I don't think, it's it's common knowledge, have, you know, m- mental issues, you know, issues with depression. Um, you know, it kind of goes with the territory, and, and I think most people accept that. Um, highs and lows and, and, and things like that, maybe not relating to, to, you know, people who aren't in the arts and things like that sometimes. But for me, I mean, I, I've... Like, that is a great example, the SWB one, when I, when I kind of, like, did the thing and, and did the pre-order thing and, and, you know, just made it happen. It, like, it just didn't... That was it. That was my focus. I, I just went down. I wasn't, like, thinking, yeah, but hang on. Um, you know, just kind of, like, yeah, get that drive and go. Uh, so so that's, like, the good part of it. But the, the problem with that is that I was so, like, tunnel-visioned, you know, that... Um, everything else goes out of the window. And the other problem with, with that is that it, it, it's always been an issue where I kind of like, I can't sustain things, you know, you know, like it's like, so I'll use the YouTube channel as an example. Um, you know, I remember the early days of like, um, you know, Scott's bass lessons and, uh, and, and people like that. And, you know, he was always Scott Devine, you know, he was always a kind of a great, I was like looking at what he was doing, you know? and thinking, mm. right, he's, he's doing well, what's he, you know, and I would sort of use him as a kind of something to aspire to, but this is before it went insane, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. this is like early days. And, you know, a bit like the thing I was talking about, um, you know, with those few bass players and maybe I could do, you know, I was kind of like, yeah, I think I can do this and maybe I can turn it into something bigger. And then he just exploded, you know, and and and, and that's that. And, you know, people would say, why aren't you doing that? You know, you could do that. You know, you're you're like, you've got talent, you know. But the, the thing, the little voice inside me almost, I, I don't mean that literally, <laughs> that's another <laughs> illness, <laughs> but, uh, was, uh, was kind of saying, you know, yeah, you can't sustain that, you know, you'll yeah. do it for like a month and then you'll be like, you, you'll be like, what have I done? And you won't be able to do it anymore. And, you know, you'll be into like, I don't know, mountaineering or something. And, mm. you know, uh, and it, and it's true, you know, it, it's always held me back. It's always been, you know, a it's frustration. Like a dub- it's a
0: double-edged sword, really. It. It drives you to be successful at that thing, but then it, you get yeah. distracted. So it's like d- two ends of it, really, isn't there? Like,
1: it is, yeah, You know, and the, and and, but the thing is, until recently, I've always had this thing and not known what it is. And of course, then it creates depression. Are you feeling down because you're like, why am I like this? You know, why? Mm. Why do? I, why am I not achieving what this guy or that guy is doing or this gal or that girl? You know, and y you, you you start to think oh, you know how talented do I need to be what is it what is it you know and and you and it's it, it, it's it's a terrible um you know it's like a, it's it's a double edged sword, you've got the creativity and you've got the drive and you've got the ideas, you know but then you know you kind of you, you don't keep on track and you know and so i thought i don't know um over the years, I thought maybe it's like a mild bipolar or something, you know, maybe it's something like that, you know because when I felt down, I just felt like I couldn't do anything you know. Yeah. And a lot of this has been under the surface. Most people wouldn't really know it was happening. You know, it's all like internal or at home, if you like. My wife certainly knows what's going on. And then you know, it was like last year, and it's so actually. What I should back up a little bit. Touring, right? Touring. I think is the perfect antidote. It turns out for ADHD, (laughs) because because the thing with ADHD is that you. you constantly need to be doing new exciting things, right? Mm. It's like it, your dopamine uh, system doesn't work properly. So if you're just not doing anything, if you're just like, what are you doing today? Well, I've got to like mop the floor and, and you know, you actually feel sad. You feel yeah. kind of depressed. And then you start doing this stuff and it makes you feel worse. You're like, thank God, I'm going to cry. I'm mopping the floor. Is <laughs> this it like what really real life bad. is? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's just uh, so like, hence the constant need to like, I've always been adventuring. and So touring has been great. And that's where the photography came in, by the way. It was like, bring that into the mix. Now, just flipping back to, to, you know, current times, because that had all stopped, a lot of my symptoms, a lot of the way I used to fit was coming back. It was hitting me Mm -hmm. more than it had done in a while. And, um, you know, and I remember, like, having a Skype lesson. This is before I put the, the, the appeal thing out to get more students. You know, I had a couple I taught already, and I remember having a Skype lesson on this Thursday or whatever at 2 p.m. and thinking, as I always did when I had a lesson, right, well, I can't really do anything today because I've got that lesson right. And I really think, why am I why, why am I thinking this way? That's one hour in an entire day, and yet I'm writing the day off because I can't think of doing anything else. Mm. Cause I've got this lesson, you know that, right. So, so I Googled that. I just Googled like, you know, uh, can only focus on one thing per day mm. and it threw ADHD up. I'm like, ADHD, what's that got to do with anything? That's that label that they give to like, you know, so. naughty kids or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's what I thought ADHD was. Oh. Right. And then I kind of, well, click on it, read an article, watched a video, watched another video within an hour. I 100% knew that I'd lived my life with ADHD, mm. you know? And I was like, you know, WCF, like, um, you know did, what I mean? Did, like,
0: did you feel like you could forgive yourself maybe for, like you, you might've kicked yourself over certain things over the years that you, you you got distracted and didn't come follow through. And now when you read this, you were thinking, you kind of gave yourself that absolu- absolution. You were like, oh, uh, there yeah. was a reason why I was doing that and I shouldn't have been kicking myself so hard.
1: Yeah, it was it was massive. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I could look back things to when I was at school, you know, like uh, just yeah, just everything fell into place. I'm like, oh my god, really? So you know, I should just quickly throw in the, the 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 great news as I saw it was that the thing I kept reading about was the 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 medication for ADHD, which is like stimulant medication, mm-hmm. um, is effective. And when I say effective, really effective, in like eighty plus percent of cases, okay. right? So that was the, that. That that was the the like what? And it wasn't like mood stabilizers. You know, I feel sorry for people that have to have you know those kind of medications. But it does help. But the thing is, with with um, with ADHD meds, the stimulant type, is it, it's effective within minutes. Like like I don't know, half an hour or something. So like from never being medicated, in half an hour. You're getting the effects fit right when it's you take crazy. it. So I was like, this is mad, right? And and um, people were talking about, you know, the film Limitless, you know, where the guy mm, like yeah, takes yeah, the, yeah. the tablet and then he's like, no oh, way. You know, it's I, like, I, all I, the neurons in like, his brain are connecting. He now has access <laughs> yeah. to 100% of his brain. <laughs> That's it. You know, it, and the people were describing it as like almost, you know, not as severe as that, but like, you know, almost like, that like, like a switch, you know. Yeah. And I was like, this is the most incredible exciting thing I, i've i yeah i couldn't believe it so i couldn't wait to get on the meds but of course there was that which is odd because a lot of people were saying yeah have you thought about you know there's there's this diet you can do and there's this mm-hmm. and that i'm not being sarcastic there when it you know but but for me i'm like are you kidding i want that tablet where is it <laughs> you know <what> i mean <laughs> if there's it, something i could take you know i've been with this for 50 years man. Yeah, exactly you know? Yeah, you know, I can understand if you've been on it, you know, on the med since you're 17 and you think, I wonder if there's a natural way I can, you know. Mm. But for me, it was like, dude, give me the tablet, like, let's try it, you know. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. sometimes so, there's a
0: holistic approach to things, but sometimes science, like, I don't know if you ever watched um, Homeland and the show portrays the woman, yeah, she has, she's bipolar, but in the show, they show how she got electroshock therapy and it really helps her because it's These days, they actually do use electroshock a lot to help people. But because of movies and the way it portrays it, people think that, my God, it's like Jack Nicholson in that film, like getting the electroshock. But yeah, yeah, you really have to just follow the science. Sometimes the holistic approach will work, but obviously for you, the science was the way forward.
1: Well, they just, yeah, I mean, that that was the thing. It was like... um and, and by the way, I'm not at all this, and I'm, I am actually taking both approaches. You know, I'm ch- I've, mm-hmm. I'm changing my diet. I'm I'm like trying to do, but for me, it's more like maybe that'll give me even more effect. You know, yeah. Um, like you know, but the way the the, the way the the uh, medication was described, I thought this is really great. Right? Is because people have an issue with taking things. So I'll I'll have to take it forever. Really, you know, if I stop taking it. I'm just how I was before. It's not like made a change or something. Yeah. It's just, you know, you take the medication and while it's effective, it's, it's doing what it does. And then when you stop taking it, you're back to square one, right? Except, you know, like I say, I can change my diet and, I, and, and you can, now I can recognize why I do certain things. I can make more of a conscious decision to, to, to change that behavior. You know, it's not as easy as that sometimes, but, um, just, just knowing, at least you know why you're doing it, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I'm doing both really, and and it's more. It's not that I'm hoping that the holistic thing will will take place of the medication. I'm just hoping that it'll help even more. You know, that'll be even mm. a better version of me. So, um, but that period in between getting diagnosed, um, which was really expensive. I mean, it was like I, I decided what I, I did a lot of research. I don't suppose this kind of thing exists, but I didn't want to go with a, a practice that would be happy to take your money just to tell you you've got ADHD. You know? Yeah. You know, I wanted the truth. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there was probably you know, a feeling you know as well. I mean, there was probably a fear as well. I'll go for this now and they'll tell me I don't have it and now I have no explanation for why I am the way
1: I am. That's it. Which, kind of depressing to think that way but at the same time, that's where I was anyway, you know, because I'd kind of been down those roads of like trying to get help and I'd just kind of given up really And uh, but like I say, maybe the fact I was touring and, and everything was helping out. Maybe it, it had kept it at bay for a long time. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, you know. Um, so anyway, all I'm saying is, I, I, I didn't I didn't look for the most expensive, obviously, <laughs> uh, you know, diagnosis. I just went with reviews, and I found this place. The guy who was going to be dealing with was like an expert in that field, who actually was a big believer in the holistic stuff as well, which I think is unusual in 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 the you know in that profession. Uh, so, you know, long story short, the the um, the waiting list for NHS are up to seven years, right? Wait, so man. for me personally, yeah, you know, at 50, right? It's like yeah. I'm not, not even joking, like, you know, I might be dead then. You know, it's too much of the mm. life I've got left, right? So I had to go private um, and I couldn't not go. Now I know there's this, this potentially this medication that's going to change my life like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a thousand quid, you know, it was like 600 pounds for the... Um, Which isn't really a, the, the, it's,
0: It seems like a lot of money But it's not When it's something That's so
1: life changing And so important Exactly Exactly that You know Exactly that So um, so that period in between Getting diagnosed And getting the meds Because I had to have medicals You know I had to have Like blood pressure And um, you know Like a load of blood work Done and stuff Just to, to check everything Was okay It's not like it's a really Dangerous thing to take But it can just raise Your blood pressure A little bit and stuff So they they, mm. they need to know You're in good shape And um, but that period in between, yeah, you know, I'm just saying this in case any, it happens to anybody else or has. You know, here I am, age 50. Now I get diagnosed. Now I've got an explanation for all this stuff. Now I've got the chance of this meds that's going to help. I'm thinking, why 50? Why not when I was like 17? Yeah. What could my life have been like? You know, you know what 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 opportunities have I missed? What job could I have been doing now? How much money could I have? <laughs> Kept in the bank. You, well, know? you could like, say that,
0: but you could also say, Would I have been as tunnel visioned with my base plane if I had been at that young age on the medication? You you just the, the roads diverge in many ways. Like you you can't really tell what would have happened, can you? Like
1: You can't. You're absolutely bang on with that. You know, it's it's and I and I call it um you know, it's it is definitely a blessing and a curse is ADHD. It's it's actually wonderful. I wouldn't want to be any other way in, in 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 many ways. It's like you know, and and it's it's that diverse thinking um, that that you do. And, and you always, like, find, you know, other ways, which, again, probably ties in with, like, me playing quirky basses and just looking at different ways to do things. Like, um, it's just what makes me tick. You know, it's what makes mm-hmm. a lot of ADHDers tick. And that side of it's wonderful. And, and you know, some of the – and the spontaneity as well. I mean, like, we just – you know, Jan and I, my, my wife, you know, we'll uh, – I'll just kind of go, should you go to Paris tomorrow? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, let's do that, you know, and you just do it, you know, that's great. Do you still yeah. have
0: access to that side of yourself now that you're on the medication? Will you still have that spontaneity? Like, or would that be curtailed a little bit?
1: So it is, yeah, this, and this is the one thing that, that, um, I think puts a lot of people off. Uh, I'd say it is curtailed a little bit, you know, when, when I'm taking the meds. It's, um, and bearing in mind that, that you, when you're not medicated, you need to do those things to, to keep the, the dopamine levels where mm-hmm. you you feel okay. You know, it's not like, you you, you know, um, it's not like full-on full on adrenaline junkie stuff, but it's kind of that vibe. You know, it's like, you know, if you're doing like cool new stuff and, you know, it, 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 you're, you're fine. Uh, but if you stop, and with the meds, what I find is that I'm able to do the boring stuff much more easily, you know, mm-hmm. Um, I'm able to, I argue, you argue, well, I do arguably hyper-focus, you know, on one thing at once, even more, if I'm not careful, than when I'm not, but I can hyper-focus on things, if you like, that matter a bit more, that that, that are actually going to be, you know, important and fruitful, (laughs) you know, like fixing things in the house, you know, rather than like, you know... uh, my latest thing, which like, just before I got diagnosed, it's really funny, right? Was was pointy headstock bases. <laughs> I never really liked them at all, and then it was just a thing. I was like, yeah, yeah, and and I got into. I ended up with about eight, you know, eBay bargains, you know, like Jacksons <laughs> Gee, and all that kinds little shed
0: of yours must be fairly full of pointy bases. Well, it,
1: it, well yeah, uh, you know, but with the point be point oh God, put it again. <laughs> I'm the pun master himself. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll say anyway, the point being that, uh, you know, instead of it being those silly things, it can be like, like, um, you know, really boring things like a a fitted a ventilation system to the house, uh, you know, that was, that we we had problems with damp. So like, whereas most people might get those things that you put on your windowsill, you know, that like, you know, absorb moisture, Mm. those little moisture traps you know i fitted an entire ventilation system to the house with self, heat, heat
0: recovery <laughs> A sa- you know. lot of satisfaction in doing something like that self satisfaction when yeah. it's finished you know
1: yeah exactly you know and it you know I, I, I always do things like myself and cheaply but the point being i'm u- i'm able to use that stuff more um productively mm-hmm. you know which which is great um so yeah it's, it's not you know the the uh, oh and sorry just to go back to your point um I find I have to make more effort to do fun stuff now. It sounds really bonkers, right? But right. because it was do- what I did all the time before, right? Um, just to feel okay. Uh, now I've actually got to make the efforts. You know, we really should like go for a walk and-, and take the camera. Like, I've not taken my camera out for like a year. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think lockdown's got a lot to do with that, you yeah. know. Um, but, you know, it's almost like I've got to force myself to do. Fun things when I'm on the medication. Mm. So it's you know that's
0: well. What what you're in like fifty one now. You're you, you've known yourself in a certain way for fifty one years, and now you're finding a new you. I I kind of I'm thinking of this kind of like I don't know what the PC term is. Would you call it a condition? Would that be the word that they use for a ideation? syndrome? Yeah, a condition syndrome.
1: syndrome. Yeah, yeah. I
0: find with these things is for if you want to take a, a guitar analogy, y- your personality is like your signal coming out of the bass. That's true. That's what it is. And the syndromes yeah. are like an effects pedal that gets put after the chain and ch- yeah. it changes you in a certain way. But at the end of the day, yeah. your personality is the main signal. And when you take these uh, medications, it's like you're turning down the amount of the, con- the syndrome that's affecting your personality, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. that That's a, a great way of looking at it, you know. Um, but, you know, a positive of, of of a, you know, like a definite plus is that um, I've always been, um, excuse me, you know, if i forgot got like a session or something, like um, if I'm doing laying a part down for someone, um, I'd probably be, I'd probably get like kind of, not bored, but before long I'd be like, well, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's it. I think that's the best I can do, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've found, I've done a few sessions after being medicated, right? And it's like, it, arguably a bad thing, but I'll spend a lot more time on it, you know, uh, getting you know, something I'm really, really happy with. And then I like give them an, like another take of like, well, this is what I do if it was my song. So I do all the, do you know what I mean? Like the yeah. stuff that I might not, you know, so it, that focus, you know, that ability to really put the, the, the fine detail, I guess. You know, I'm adding the fine detail in that I w- would get lost previously. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's definite plus. You know, that's a, um, a huge thing. And, that, and I really attribute that to to the meds helping out. But they don't really, like, I don't think they really change your personality. Some people no. feel dull on them or, or this, that, and the other. But I don't think that's the case. Um, really, you know, really impressed. The only thing I will say about the whole experience. And uh, at some point, I've, I've got to get behind some kind of like ADHD awareness.
0: I was about to say that, yeah, you probably want to maybe tell your story to other people so that, cause, so they can maybe think about themselves and l- getting their own tests maybe because they might fe- be in a, sim- a similar situation.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And, you know, right off the bat, I'd say to anyone that's like kind of in a situation where they, they feel like they might be, but it's they're not that desperate to spend, you know, all the money I did on a, you know... Which I think is worth it, by the way, because I think long term, right? I think long term the productivity, you know, and and mm. the sa- and, and quite frankly, you know, the saving on spending money on yeah. like stupid new hobbies and stuff, you know what I mean? You know, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, and, and pointy headstock basis. He's going to. You've already spent a few <laughs> a nice bit of money on them, <laughs> yeah, more than a see, thousand quid you know, anyway. <laughs> exactly. So I, I, what I would say is. If you're in that place, like, like get straight in there. If you're in the UK, like, for example, you know, get straight in there with the, the NHS and, and, and try and get a referral. There's um there's a place called Psychiatry UK, actually, um that you should check out because they're really good at helping with people get NHS referrals and stuff quicker. You know, there is something they can do now that's a lot quicker. But the reason I mention this is, hey... Seven years is, like, is way too long for anyone. This happens to kids, right? For when they're, like, four, they get referrals. And then they have to do this sometimes seven That's years. It's Like, I mean, you've had your most
0: uh, farming life experiences and you haven't had yeah. your diagnosis, like.
1: No, it's outrageous. I can't even get my head around it. Um, but, th- of course, and then if you go private, it's, it's too expensive for a lot of people, you know. Um you know, I've, I honestly thought there was no option. I thought even after i sell God knows what, I've got to do it, right? Yeah. Here's the bit, here's the bit where where it's a nightmare and why I really want to get behind the, the awareness is I'm stuck now where I got my private diagnosis. The report is like incredibly in-depth. It's like 11 pages long, right? Uh, it talks, and it's, it's not something that just happens like that. You know, there were forms filled in from my wife, you know, from my mum and dad. You know, to, to and they take everything into account. And as it turns out, I got actually um, diagnosed with severe combined, which is like there's two types of mm-hmm. ADHD, right? I was like, okay. <laughs> and uh, But the thing is, I've got all that in place. So I now officially have a proper diagnosis from one of the top guys in his field. Um, and I'm now paying close to £200 a month for medication and prescriptions, right? Well, I can't sustain that. I mean, you you saw the 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 appeal I put out about you know uh, needing more teaching to pay the bills yeah. and, and all the rest of it, you know, because of the current situation with no work, uh, and that's just added to it. I mean, it's just I can't. I'm in such a, you know, it's a catch twenty two because if I don't have the meds, then maybe I'm not going to be as productive. It's it yeah. shouldn't be that way. No, and the thing is. What should happen is you can then go to your GP and say right, I've got this diagnosis, and um, and you do this kind of shared care thing, right? So so the 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 psychiatrist um, he's done the titration, he's sorted out what meds you need to be on, and then the GP prescribes him, right? Uh, but what's happening is the GPs are going, no, we can't prescribe that, and that's it, right? Mm. You know, like, hang on, uh, so you have to go back and pay, you know. So there's no kind of um, generic
0: version of your drug that you can take, which would be, like, 50 cent or whatever. Like, that's how cheap these generics are. Like, you can't get a generic version of your one.
1: No, uh, you mean the the, the, the meds, it, I mean, it's a yeah. controlled substance in this in this country. So, okay. um, you know, you can't, yeah, you've, you've, you've got to get a prescription every month for a start. You can't get a repeat one. Um. So, yeah, anyway, long story short, those guys at Psychiatry UK they can uh, they can help with the process. And that's where I'm at at the minute. So hopefully, okay. you know, I'll get some help with that. And, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's and that's why I want to get behind the awareness because it's just the whole thing is shocking. Some people believe it's not real, you know. They just think mm. it's laziness or, you know. But I'm, I think, an authority to say that going undiagnosed and not even knowing what it is to age 50 no, I, I could tell you it's real. You know, yeah, it's it's very real.
0: <laughs> well, that thanks for sharing that. With us. like that's really interesting. Like it's and not at all. Um, you should do your um talk about it, and I'm sure you could inspire like people to even at any age to go and look into their own diagnosis. But yeah. We're kind. Of, you have a lesson at too, do you? A, yeah, a basic. We, get, we, get <laughs> we We went a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I I, I oh, wanna man. cover your indie go go campaign, your new solo album. That we gotta get that in to wrap things up 'cause um uh, I kinda I am not sure exactly what it is. I saw the, the trailer where you're playing the bass up the mountain and you started to sing and I know there's a bit yeah. of singing on it. You said it was kinda based on an old cassette, so I I have a general gist of what's happening with it, but you could probably explain to us exactly what the crack is with your um EP.
1: Yeah, so it's um that's the first thing you can go and support it on indiegogo i presume you maybe be able to put the link is indiegogo yep. whatever Maybe it's really weirdly I mean, oh it'll be in check, all yeah. the
0: links are in, i never put a link on the screen because no one is going to
1: type that out it's all down in the exactly description. exactly so it's and uh yeah it's just again it's, it's a great uh success story in terms of you know um one of those great things that's happened during lockdown where people have like done things they probably wouldn't have done normally. And this has been a project that's been on the back burner for like 10 years. And, uh, you know, originally, you know, I'd, I'd written tunes that were kind of like, like I say, for mp3.com back in the day, like instrumental things. But this, uh, the EP, it's um, it's kind of like, it, it kind of embodies everything. Uh, I, I, I am a, as a musician, pretty much. I've spent a long time in my career as a professional singer, for example. I don't consider myself to be a singer, but mm. I, I must be. I must be able to carry a tune because I, <laughs> I made a decent living of it yeah, for a yeah. while. So, you know, so there's two songs on there and there's two instrumentals. But the thing is about it, th- th- I mean, I, how can you explain this in words? But um, but I would say that there's a lot of interest there for people who are into bass and stuff. Um, a lot of the guitar work is piccolo bass. It's not guitar. So um, on, on the track Trust in Me, which is like the main track which the video actually might be out tomorrow which is really cool um you know all the guitars are piccolo so that's interesting you know like the mm-hmm. solo is and all the rhythm guitars um and and the you know so I'm playing all the regular bass as well there's a lot of bass playing going on but it's not how can I put it it's more if you think of like bands like level 42 where there's a lot yeah. of bass playing going on but it's part of the song it's mm-hmm. not like a show do you know what I mean
0: yeah it's, uh, not the it's, song, that, it's that kind it's part of part
1: yeah, exactly. You know, so I'm hoping that it'll appeal to people who, you know, who like my playing and like bass playing generally, and and that and will be interested in that side of it. But as well, uh, you know, it's a song, and uh, you know, and I'm, I'm singing on there. My wife's singing on there. There's some top players on there. There's Christian Madden on Hammond and uh, and, and Fender Rhodes. He plays with uh, Liam Gallagher at the minute, actually. So mm-hmm. he's he's top of his. Tree. There's a drummer from uh, Wishbone Ash on a track. I've got um, Mark Brzezicky. Actually, he won't be on the the EP. Mark Brzezicky from Dr- Big Country is appearing on the album later. Um, so yeah, really, really quickly finished. There's there's loads of playing on there. Loads of great playing. Hopefully, the songs appeal to most. Uh, and the instrumentals that, that again, you know, if you think. I don't know, like a uh, you know, uh, was it a theme from Axel F? You know, the the, the the kind of tuneful instrumentals. There's loads of great playing going on, but it's for everybody. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, it's like very accessible stuff. Um, so um, yeah, really, really excited about that. And um, you know, it's it's one of those that perhaps I just I've never thought I'd finish it, you know, and never thought I'd finish it, and and yet here I am with I've got a full horn section on there. You know, um, it's it's just mad. I, I'm, I'm so. So pleased with it, you know. Totally. So, hope. You so, guys you could, like it too.
0: That's great. Like, so good, seriously good things have come out of all this lockdown crap for you. Like, you know, you, with your music and your mental health and everything. Like, it's be, there's yeah, been, there's been positives. Obviously, financially, it's yeah. tough on all of us, like, not being on tour. Like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah, financially, it's been a disaster, you know, quite mm-hmm. frankly. And, uh, and, you know, and I'm going to be a long number of years, as probably many are, you know, pay. Paying back, you know, things I've had to borrow and, mm. you know, maybe replacing things I had to sell. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, at the end of the day, the positives have definitely outweighed the the negatives, you know. And I, I should just quickly throw this out there. I've just created a new Facebook page um, called Musicians Helping Musicians. Okay. Right? You know, and, and it became really where... That you know when people like pour the heart out on 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 Facebook, they're having a bad day and they're like, like, oh, I give up and you know, mm. whatever, yeah. you know. And uh, it's kind of cathartic, isn't it? Because like you know, you get get that kind of like, wow, well, I'm the same, and you know, yeah, yeah. And we kind of can't do that really because we've got to portray this. Because a lot of our Facebook friends might be fans or you know, and it's not the place for it. And then, mm. you th- well, where is the place? And for me, there wasn't one. You know, there wasn't one where I could like. Is it just me that feels? this or that yeah. or you know uh so just throwing that well, this is a brand new thing and, and i'm you know i'm not playing a big part in it i've just kind of set it up and i'm just kind of letting it go and, and 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 already people are kind of opening up on there and it's the first place they've been able to say i don't know you know man i thought it was just me and and mm, it's I'm, a great thing so. like
0: you know people are just saying they're struggling yeah. and with all this, I suppose, just being locked in and not being able to be on the road and be creative. Because it's really hard to be creative in a vacuum, isn't it? We're kind of realising our creativity. Yeah. Fe- we feed off other musicians and experiences outside of our five kilometres or wherever your lockdown is, you know?
1: Completely. And probably hence the reason that this is, this conversation's been, like, two hours ago. <laughs> yeah, like, we're like, oh, I need <laughs> Come here, I want
0: to yeah. chat. Yeah, like, I, I have to go... <laughs> yeah. um, I have to go help my father install a, a water feeder out on the, fa- on the farm, and <laughs> you've got a lesson. All <laughs> oh, right. Was He's that, ringing yeah, me there. He's like, where the hell are you, you little bollocks? You say. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Yeah, better wrap but, it up. No, no, but it, was a, it was a brilliant conversation. I'm delighted that we had such a long chat, and the, the full unedited version will be going out. There's no, I won't be cutting out any of this. It was, it was um, <laughs> right. thanks so much for coming on. Like, I really appreciate you giving me your time.
1: It's been a pleasure, and thank you. Like I say, I mean, you know, it has been a pleasure, and it it is very cathartic, you know, to to, to talk. You know, I'm not... have much chance. (laughs) So, yeah. You had a lot to get over. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's it, it, yeah.